my master. I do not know which of you is real. Help me to decide, master. You must have patience with me. You must try to understand me. I can reward you with a long and fruitful life. But I must have your loyalty. Can you give that? Gah! Dracula is everywhere at once! His visages over the years are assaulting me. I don't know how to go on. The green fairy who lives in the absence wants your soul. But you are safe with me. Oh well, at least I don't have to worry about that one. Lovesick Dracula won't stop me. Van Helsing, a most distinguished scientist whose name we know, even in the wild of Transylvania. Master, is it you? Please destroy these foul Belmonts, Master. They scare away my lovely rats. I can handle anything Dracula dishes out, even if he's changing appearance and form faster than I can comprehend. Yes, Doctor. I am Count Dracula. But I'm known to the outside world as Baron Latos. You see, before you were a man who lived for centuries, kept alive by the blood of innocent people. Curses! That one was a lot more powerful than it appeared. Dracula's getting downright terrifying. Welcome to my house. Enter freely and of your own will. I am Dracula. I bid you welcome, Mr. Harker. Ha! The most frightening manifestation of Dracula yet! I have to get the other Belmonts to help me! He's horrifying me with his push-up prowess! I don't remember, do you? So, would you like me to refresh your memory a little? We have such history, you and I, Gabriel. Master, what are you doing? Such a confused caricature intimidates no one. Now this is a Dracula I can handle. High school plays are more threatening. You shall pay, Black Prince. I curse you with my name. You shall be... Master, those Belmonts are making you appear to be something you're not. Transylvania is your home, not Watts. I never imagined a Dracula that could outdance me. I'm in trouble now. The Draculas have ever been the heart's blood, the brains, the sword of our people. One of my race crossed the Danube and destroyed the Turkish host. Though sometimes beaten back, he came again and again against the enemy. Till at the end he came alone from the bloody field, for he alone could triumph. This was a Dracula indeed. Oh, I can't stop this one. The power of Dracula is irresistible. The Belmonts cannot stop him anymore. And they cannot stop the RPG backtrack either.
Today we talk about a trio of games from 2008 before we tackle a triple of Dracula's favorite DS games, ending with a three-way argument. Not enough? We have user feedback, soundtrack clips, Glenn's whacked humor, and so much more. Ring the bells and triangles to call your friends. It's time to listen to RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, where we discuss computer and console RPGs from the way back when right up to yesteryear. It's also the place where we cannot pronounce any proper nouns, encourage spoilers, and the host doesn't know the difference between a vampire and a man sparkling in the daylight. I'm Phil Willis. And I am Mike Mingy. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 20. We have a couple of really great guests with us today. Welcome back, Mr. Glenn Wilson. We cover RPGs and also the Castlevania games. <laughs> and Sam Marcello. I've only played one Castlevania game. Hint, hint, not any of these. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Sam, how are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah? Except I hate Luminous Arc, but other than that... Is your chair nice and comfortable? I heard you had a new comfy office chair. We're not going there right now. Unless you'd like me to walk off the show. <laughs> Mr. No, let's get on to another topic. Mr. Mike, we have some we have some we have some guest comments on the forums and No Yes, comments from the forums and Forum people. And uh, and what we've done is, is we kind of clipped them down a little bit uh, so that we can actually fit them into the time allotment we have for this show. So, uh, Mike, why don't you read for us the first note? <laughs> That's what she said. Zootville <laughs> <laughs> writes, The only thing I didn't like about junctioning spells was that it seemed like you were being punished for making use of them, which in turn promotes that boring mash-fight-to-win strategy. There really needed to be some sort of buffer, so that you could use most of the charges whilst losing very little from the stat. No mention of triple triad at all. I thought that was one of the better parts of the game, although a little more than a time-consuming distraction. Well, you want me to mention triple triad? Anything that distracts you from Final Fantasy VIII is probably <laughs> going to be the best part of the game. It's the highlight of the game. <laughs> Here, I'll While mention doing triple triad, I wasn't actually playing the game. Therefore, I <laughs> Therefore, I, best part of the game. I lost, and I didn't play it again. There, I mentioned Triple Triad. I totally wasted my life playing Triple Triad. Not gonna lie, I got so into it. And I don't know why I got so into it, but I ended up getting all the head cards, and I was really excited. There's my Triple Triad story. Yeah, and I'm right there with you, Sam. I don't know why. It's probably like Glenn said, it was, it was a distraction from the game, and when you when you've got when you've got that uh, you know uh, a plain piece of nugget surrounded by uh, crap, um, and, uh, you know you're, you'll work for that nugget. I, no, I, I play that game a lot. I don't know why. Was it really that good? It was okay. I, I mean, I don't mind mini games and you know and RPGs in general. It's you know I usually give them a go. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't a good time. It was just a better time. You know? Yeah, it was a less terrible time. That I, really. <laughs> it really was. I, I think it was okay, but it was forgettable because I don't remember much about it now. <laughs> Lithros writes, I never found drawing to be all that much of a burden. I just drew a few times each battle in an area. You know, the funny thing is I drew in the middle of the battles myself. I got them on DeviantArt. You can see all my drawings right there because some of those battles went on for so long. I got lots of drawing done. As it didn't drag much using whoever was most effective at getting stuff. Between battles, I redistribute magic to other members that weren't drawing. It's a very interesting idea, but perhaps it could have been executed better. Another great podcast. You cut out the part 
Oh no, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing up which silly forum comment we're reading right now. <laughs> um, you know, actually, it did, drawing was a burden sometimes. I don't know what kind of conditions is being put on this. I mean, sometimes it wasn't a burden. I mean, if it was a really common spell that you either didn't need to use and you could draw it up to 100 or 99 once and never deal with it again, sure, it wasn't much of a burden. But if it was something you're only getting, you know when a powerful spell is first available and you draw and you get three of it and you want to max it out. It's a huge burden. Well, it reminds me It reminds me a little bit about about stealing uh, that command that you get to steal in most Final Fantasy games. Since you don't know which enemies have the really great stuff that you want, definitely want to steal and you don't want to miss out on, I would get into the habit of having one character always steal. So to me, that was about the same thing as in Final Fantasy VIII of having one character always draw. But the big, huge distinction between the two is at the end of the day, stealing was still optional, and you could get through the game without it. In Final Fantasy VIII, good luck get through the game without drawing. So and yeah, if you wanted, you only needed to steal a couple times, and usually the best items are only from bosses. It wasn't something you did every single battle, and even if it wasn't, you know, if you had one character do it during battle, you're still doing it a lot. You're extending that battle by, say, 30%. Mm-hmm. And then you're doing that every battle rather than doing it once for 15 minutes and getting over with. Yeah. It kind of seems like you're, you know, you're you're tricking your own mind on purpose so you don't notice it as much, but it's still something that the game would have been much better without. Oh, absolutely. Now, I just uh, just a little side note, um speaking of stealing. I'm on I'm playing through Final Fantasy 12 now, about 12 hours or so through. Um I'm stealing all the time because the money seems to be so tight and you only get money by selling stuff that you get from drops and what you steal and whatnot. Is money tight all the way through the game? Any of y'all played it all the way through? Just out of curiosity, do I have to keep stealing? Or I stole all game. I don't. I didn't have money problems, but I also stole all game, so that might have been why. Yeah, so far I haven't gotten anything really significant from stealing, but I, I'm doing it for the money because I always seem to don't have enough money to buy I mean, it was armor. easy enough. I just set someone to a gambit to steal right away, and then done, you know. Yeah, is there a bet? I, right now i got a gambit. If an enemy has 100% health, steal from them. Unfortunately, if there's yeah. three or more enemies, and one enemy's at 50%, they don't help finish them off. They go and steal from somebody else, so hopefully we get a better gambit. As Deal with it. it was game. an easy game. Yeah, Still it wasn't lives. too hard. Yeah, yeah. it's not a big it's not a big detraction. Anyways, uh, uh, Mike... ...that I need to read. Yeah, go I'm ahead. Seraphim Kitten. Seraphim Kitten says... I actually enjoyed Final Fantasy VIII a lot more than Final Fantasy VII. Now, it definitely isn't one of my final, of my favorite Final Fantasy games, and I think it probably deserves a lot of the criticism it gets. But if I had to play seven or eight, I would replay eight in a heartbeat. I really enjoy the discussion about avoiding leveling and how it made the game more enjoyable. I always find it weird when a game levels with you. How does that help you at all? In fact, I think that surprised me most about Final Fantasy Tactics the first time I played through it. Well, we won't talk about Final Fantasy Tactics for a good long while, but... Uh... I will just so, let Glenn discuss <laughs> why liking eight more than seven is a very interesting choice. Because it's stupid. Emphasis. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I like that. It's like if I had to play seven or eight, makes it sound like she does not want to play seven or eight. They would pick eight in a heartbeat, and that's supposed to be said like a compliment. Like, yeah, if I absolutely had to do one of these two things I don't want to do, oh, I'd pick this in a heartbeat. It's so awesome. I really enjoyed this and enjoyed that. <laughs> it just seems a little mixed. All right. It seems more like, you know, it'd be like me having to pick between playing Valhalla Knights 2 again or Sheer and the Wanderer again. I would pick Sheer and the Wanderer in a heartbeat. 
but that is not a compliment to Sheer and the Wanderer. Well, and I think I think in listening to the podcast on Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, I think the overall sentiment for both games wasn't exactly you know positive. Let's just go around the table. If you if you're gonna play one again, which one would you pick, Glenn? Seven, in a heartbeat. Mike. <laughs> Seven. <clears throat> Sam. Seven. Unfortunately, the the panel disagrees with Seraphim Kitten, but that's okay. It's a free what country. What about you? Did you say? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I'd have to do, I'd have to do seven. I'm, I'm not. Oh, so Sarah from Kitten is wrong. Good. Well, <laughs> yes, for a completely scientific survey. Scientific. Randomly selected it's people who represent. Four to o, you actually enjoyed Final Fantasy seven more. Sorry, Sarah from Kitten. Yeah, but before we dig ourselves in any further with our board friends, let's go ahead and move on to something else. It's time for Blast from the Recent Past. We have a trio of games that Glenn has played every single one of, which is good because normally when we talk about these games, you're yeah, you said this least... was a coincidence, but what happened was I was hired a little over two years ago, and right after I was hired, my project at work was canceled, and I was paid to sit at home for three months. And for those three months, you know, Ethan was sometimes he'd review, sometimes he wouldn't, and these were games I guess Adrian didn't want to play, so I reviewed about eight games in maybe three months, and these three games were three of them. Wow! Yeah, good coincidence. So we have Final Fantasy Fables Chocobo Dungeon, Final Fantasy IV DS, and Izuna 2, which is also from the DS. So, Glenn, since uh, since this is your part of the show, why don't you, this time anyways, why, why don't you talk about, pick which one you want to talk about first. I'll do the one no one else has played first, and then we'll work up to Final Fantasy IV DS, yeah? Okay. So uh, Izuna 2, The Unemployed Ninja Returns. I don't know. What do I don't. I don't. I'm not on bad tracks that often. What am I supposed to say about it? Well, it was okay. Uh, you know. I, well, I, I mean, I played Azuna. I played Azuna one. It's a roguelike, you know, type of game, right? Talk yeah, talk about yeah. some of the game mechanics and and what what makes it different from any other RPG out there. It was the unfortunately typical, you know, Japanese dungeon crawler, whatever you want to call it. These series of games that, like like Shiren, which I was just whining about. And also like Chocobo's Dungeon, which we're about to whine about, where, you know, turn-based, your little dude's on the screen, you move and everything else moves, you attack and everything else moves, and then you move a third time and you're suddenly surrounded by four beasts and they kill you, and then you, you know, go back to the town and lose all your equipment and keep your level for whatever weird reason, and then buy more equipment, and then go back in and do that again, and then do that again, and then do it again, and then do it again, and then eventually you beat the game and people say this is a fun genre. Izuna 2 was pretty easy. It wasn't that bad. Actually, Chocobo's Dungeon was pretty good, too. So these are more positive examples from uh, me being cynical. The thing with Izuna 2 that set apart was that it was easy. It was really approachable. The localization was outstanding. For, like, a small, you know, niche game that not many people were going to buy, Atlas USA had a blast with it, I think, because the whole game was hilarious. It was like a nonstop barrage of, like, breast jokes, you know, all the men are tools, and all the women have huge boobs or they talk about them all the time. It was just it was just non, like, in, in the review I wrote, 
I put in synonyms for breast throughout the review, which a few a few other staff members that read it noticed. But uh, the, that's like the whole game is just all all like puns and jokes about breasts, pretty much. It was just it made me laugh. There's a scene in the game where like you sneak up. I guess you're playing as one of the guys in the game, obviously, and you sneak up on a you know the typical Japanese hot tub scene with all the naked women in it, and there's like steam on the screen. And I was looking at the DS. I was like, oh, that steam's in the way. I wonder how I can get rid of it. So, like, I blew on the DS, and the steam goes away, and you can see all the, the women bathing. And I was like, that's so cool. This is hilarious. I about died laughing. It was great. The whole game was like that. The whole game just made me laugh like that. Is this your and, uh, kind of script, Sam? Oh, totally. This, this I was about awesome. to say, this sounds like a blast. So, I mean, was there anything that would make me reconsider going out and buying this right now? I mean... Well, that's all the script. I mean, the plot is just there. You know, it's um, it's it's not. The only thing, the gameplay was not great. It was not bad. I mean, it was it was pretty easy. The the way they get around some of the more punishing mechanics is you you're supposedly a tag team. There are two of you in the dungeon, but only one is displayed, and you can flip back and forth. And if one dies, it flips to the other, as opposed to Sheer and the Wonder on the Wii, where if one dies, you get a game over screen. So better hope all your people stay alive. So in Xena two, in Izuna two, one per, you know if Izuna dies the guy you have in spare, he appears on the screen and then you can use an item and escape. You know, so it, it doesn't have the make one mistake, game over problem and it doesn't have the enemy gets a critical hit, game over problem. You know, and you can use tag team attacks and they're like board pounders that will clear out all the enemies in the room. So, it gets around a lot of the problems in the genre but it's still just, it's, the gameplay is not great. It's still not a very, I think I gave it a 3 out of 5. It's not a great game. You know, it really was a localization that just... I, I ended up buying this game. I, I think I got a review copy and sent it back, and then later on the game was on sale and I bought it, and I want to replay it someday, because it just... More than any other DS game I played, it just it made me laugh the whole time I played it. And, you know, this, it's still, it's still I think, you know, my favorite localization on the DS and the, the funniest game I played on the DS easily. Uh, I was going to say... Sorry. Go ahead. To interrupt. I was going to say, it sounds like it uh, reminds me of uh, what you said about Mimana a while back, too. The yeah. localization really does make a difference when you have yeah. a really a game with not-so-great gameplay. Yeah, although Mimana would be would be worse. Mimana's gameplay was was downright not good. Awful. Whereas, <laughs> whereas you know, Izuna wasn't... There was nothing wrong with it, and it definitely helped that, you know, they, they made it a lot easier. The first Izuna game was so brutal and not fun. You just put the same problems I have with Sheeran, where you just throw yourself in the dungeon and die over and over, and it's not really your fault, and you don't really learn anything. You know, Izuna was a lot better balanced and a lot easier to play. It was just mostly the localization that made it a memorable game to me. Uh, yeah, the name of the review was The Ninja Who Stays Abreast of Things. <laughs> oh, I'm so funny. Uh, you are, Glenn. You really are. Um, I was just going to point out that that lack, that lack of difficulty, though, some people would say that that's a minus there. People, some people love their brutal difficulty in these roguelikes. Good. You can go play Sheeran and then try to convince me it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there are games in this genre for crazy, I mean, um, people like that. And, you know, this isn't one of them. This is more, this is, I mean, it's, stra it's a strange, lighthearted take on, on the genre. Yeah, and I only like those uh, quote-unquote brutal difficulty. We were talking a little bit about this before the show with games like Zangban and stuff, where where basically with Zangban you kind of know if you played the game a few times, um, you kind of know 
what what are some of the things you got to be you got to prepare for so the idea is that before you go down too deep into the dungeon you make sure that you're geared up to protect yourself against fire attacks or mind attacks or whatever have you you can specifically build your defense around you know what is coming up or what you see uh, whereas in Izuna or, or some of these other roguelikes I played, it's just a matter of these enemies getting a few critical hits. You don't have enough hit points. Have a nice day, and and you really can't spend enough time grinding up to make up for some of that. So, yeah, and a lot of little interface state problems I had with Izuna were fixed in Izuna too. Like if if enemies step on traps, they trigger them in Izuna too, and that's a pretty typical roguelike thing. Is enemies just kind of hover over traps and don't care, and if you step on them, they appear and give you a game over. So like just like little little tweaks like that that don't really make the game fun, they just make it less terrible. Or a lot of the improvements made between Izuna and Izuna two that just made it much less brutal and more you know better to play. Well, speaking of roguelikes, let's talk about Chocobo's Dungeon next. This was the game that uh, good old buddy Fire Mist was supposed to review, and then just didn't. And then when when Max Storm gave up on that, he sent me his personal copy in the mail and said, "If you have time, please review this, since I seem to be the only person on staff that was willing to finish Roguelikes." And it was good. It was a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, this is also easy, probably not as easy as Izuna Two, but a little bit more lighthearted. You know, it's a it's a roguelike with the Final Fantasy paint over it. So, you know, obviously you're a chocobo in it. So there there are chocobos, but there are also typical Final Fantasy enemies like Cactuars and uh, Tom Berries, you know, like behemoths. You know, the sort of stuff you'd expect the Final Fantasy regulars. So it kind of has that coat of paint over it. The big innovation I thought it brought to it was uh, the job system. It brought the job classes from Final Fantasy three and five, and chocobo can change job classes. So it, it lets you pick how you want to play the game, be that class, and then go play the game that way. Where you could be a white mage, so you have healing skills, but you're crappy at everything else. So it's like, your attack stinks, and your defense stinks, and you can't kill stuff well, but you can heal yourself. Or you could be like a knight in a roguelike, and you know, go in as a knight. Actually, you know, really early roguelikes did have classes, although you couldn't change between them. I know, I know NetHack did. I'm not sure if Rogue did. I would imagine in Rogue, you're probably just a rogue all game. But, you know, that... So Chocobo's Dungeon was... You know, I would like to say that I'm not swayed by things like Final Fantasy paint on something, but mm-hmm. I did like the charm in this game, that a lot of the music was remixed, recognizable Final Fantasy tunes. So the whole presentation I liked. It looked good for a Wii game, it sounded good, you know, it was easier than your typical roguelike, but, you know, still had more difficulty in Yuzuna 2. So, you know, you still had to think, it still took strategy. So a lot of things that are important to, you know, me personally in video games were there in this one. And if if memory serves, because um, I also spent some time with it, it, it also had some uh, interesting challenge levels, which kind of played out a little bit like puzzles. You had to kind of yeah. think through them to get through some of those guys. Did you like those? Um, one of uh, uh, one of them I felt was a little too gimmicky, and and I got a little frustrated with. That's the one where everything has one hit point. Yeah, and, including you, including me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was and say that's the ones I didn't like. And um, boy, I would just, I would be so close and either just, you know, make one mistake or maybe something unexpected happen or whatever have you and boom. And and sometimes that would happen all the way up at the beginning of me after I had already gone through uh, the entire one hit point dungeon or whatnot. And then I would get frustrated and then I would try to rush through it again. And of course, when you rush, you know, when you only have one hit point, you're just setting yourself up for failure. So that was the, the only frustrating was, they part. They were all optional. Right? They were all I mean, optional, were, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think was, some of them you needed to do maybe to open up shops, but there are only two or three you had to do for that, and then the rest were optional if you wanted to stop having fun. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I'm, a, you know, I'm actually I'm on the same page with you with a lot of that stuff. I'm, uh, you know, I've always said that if 
and I say this with like Kingdom Hearts or whatever have you, if I, if I take the license off the game and the gameplay itself isn't isn't great, then I'm not going to play the game. I just I'm not going to enjoy it. But in, in this case, I mean, the gameplay is is pretty good. It's it's I mean, it's for a rogue, it's a roguelike, and and people are going to have different opinions on that. But um, I I think roguelikes are you know if they're not brutally difficult, like you said, one hit death and you got to start over and get level one, I think sucks. Uh, no matter how you look at it. But I think roguelike gameplay in general is okay, um, and so. But yeah, you're right. The, 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 this is one one point where the where the presentation and the license and whatever have you really really did add a lot of lot of charm to it. What about like the ability to pick your strategy with the job classes? Oh yeah, that, that was definitely that was definitely good. Uh, we were we were also talking about that before the show about how what, one of the things that I don't like about the console uh, roguelikes is that you you really don't get any choice in your character creation usually you're just given uh, like in pokemon you're given the starting you're you're a pokemon to start out with you right and like no matter three, what weapon you it. have all you have is like a sword yep. and that's your attack and that's then maybe it. you can find a spell in the dungeon and then usually they all stink and pretty much you're stuck hitting a over and over and over again and chocobo's dungeon gave you something to think about do i use my attack what class am i does my attack do no damage because i'm a black mate you, know, you could flip to the black mate class and then cast spells on things from a distance it added so much more variety and you can kind of pick how you want to play and it just yeah. made the game a lot more fun for yeah me. if you hit a dungeon it was particularly difficult you could always just switch your class and try a different strategy and a lot of times it would work um so no i i'm right there with you and i had a couple of easter eggs in there things that you could do um what was the, the thing with mog you remember that is that the arcade you could like play mini games or play like something mini games stuff. I I don't remember exactly. It's been a while, but I didn't I didn't do it that much. I saw yeah, that like this this isn't Final Fantasy VIII with with Triad. This is Triad. a game I'm enjoying. <laughs> I don't need to stop and play crappy Mog arcade games. Yeah. So that was a pretty cool one. I thought. Let's say and then this is why I think of the ones I've reviewed. This is definitely the highest score I've given to a the, the Japanese roguelike dungeon crawler games, and I, definitely I think a good entry level one. If people haven't tried it yet, and if you have a Wii and you're tired of the only two games you have for it because the Wii has no good games, you know this would be a good one that'd be worth trying. And uh, and what did you give it, Mr. Glenn Wilson? I gave it a three and a half. There we go. That's good. I don't. I don't. You know. Yeah, that's a good score. Handy, like some reviewers do. <laughs> what? It's Square Enix, and you didn't give it an automatic five out of five. Flame War start. I don't think you know. I don't think anyone was angry about this getting a three, uh, three and a half. I think most of our readership, not the biggest fans of this type of game. I think they were okay with it. If I were, sure we're about to talk about the game that I got a lot of hate for for giving it a three and a half. Are you trying to segue? Let's let's speaking of Flame Wars, let's flame on with Final <laughs> Fantasy four games that can't get a three and a half out of five because OMG they are Final Fantasy. Let's talk about Final Fantasy yeah, four. Glad that we don't have Fire Mist on this. <laughs> now Final Fantasy every time I'm on it I'm glad. Final Fantasy four Final Fantasy four DS. Uh, I, I don't think we need to to go into introductions what a Final Fantasy four is or anything like that. But uh, Glenn, why don't you talk about what made the DS version different than, let's say, the Game Boy Advance oh, or the original? You guys version. should go first. I just got finished talking a whole lot. So have you two played this? <laughs> yeah, played it. Yep. Okay. Well, okay, Mike, you haven't talked. Mike, much. go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I guess the augment system is the biggest gameplay difference. Where depending upon um. You get skills that you can assign to your characters as the game goes on. They're permanently assigned. You can't change them once you've made the decision. And whether you and based upon 
whether you made wise augmentation decisions or poor augmentation decisions, you might get even better ones or you might get cruddy ones that will not help you out much at all Which later on. could be phrased as whether or not you're psychic and no, or someone spoiled for you how to use augments since it's not intuitive at all. Yeah, it yes. doesn't really explain itself very well. Yes, if you're a veteran of the game, you know that most of the people you in your party will be leaving you later on, so the logical conclusion would be to hoard those augments for the people who stick around. But no, if you hoard those augments, you won't get the really good augments that will really help you near the end. You must throw away and waste them on crappy people who are going to turn themselves to stone and die forever until the endgame cutscene. And then, then do you get the good augments. I'm going to go cry. I love Palomar. They're going to kamikaze and blow up volcanoes. <laughs> that was well, awesome. What were you going to cry about, Sam? I love Palomar. I, I made a jab at people turning themselves to stone. Uh, I, I just like Palomar. the plot twist. The idea that this room is collapsing and the only way we can possibly yeah, save it is to turn is ourselves to stone. stone and then yeah. someone's first reaction is, quick, unstone them. Let us all <laughs> rush to death. <laughs> 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 I can make Final Fantasy IV's plot all damn day. <laughs> but but the they, they, they had a good explanation why they couldn't change back because they changed voluntarily. You see, yeah. that's why the de-stoning spell <laughs> didn't work. So, oh, yeah. so what if I made Cecil cast stone on himself? Would that mean he's stone and I get a game over and have to start from scratch? All done. Because I turn into stone forever? <laughs> yep. Forever. Or you could try to play the whole game with Cecil Stone. That would be an interesting way to do it. That's a very person who lives in California way to think of games that you want to play the whole thing stoned. <laughs> yeah, and you stay I've stoned for that, I could. Could you imagine how make the plot make more sense? Yeah, but You'll think... suddenly understand all the deep themes. Think about how fast you would sell that game if you put on the box, turn, uh, uh, play this game stoned and stay stoned forever. You see, it'd be the only demographic that didn't buy this just on principle, you know, because there are a lot of people <laughs> that bought this because it said Final Fantasy in that title. You know, the people that don't care about that would see stoned. Sam, what did you think about the augment system? I didn't like it that much. Mostly because, like Glenn said, you pretty much had to be psychic <laughs> to really know what went on to who and, you know, to make it work for you. Like, I, I messed up so many times using that augment system that I, I messed myself over quite a bit. And... So, so Were you, you able to finish it even though you didn't weren't psychic with the augment system? Actually, I did. I got very lucky that uh, Cecil managed to survive before, you know, what's-his-face could use the, the black hole spell. I got very lucky. Everybody see, else, like, see, died. Phil, even a girl could beat the game without using augments right, and you couldn't. I've oh, secret You forget who edits this podcast? I've secretly replaced your voice with a girl's voice, so... Um... You're going to have your wife read all of my lines and then That's record right. it over me? Yep. Hi, my name is Glenn, and... Okay. Um... <laughs> And I, you know, and I, I agree. I, I really get frustrated with systems that I got to be psychic to figure out or whatever have you, especially since I had played Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy IV Game Boy, and then I got to this, and now I've got to be psychic or whatever have you. I will say, if you're going to go out and play this game, it really doesn't hurt to check on FAQ on the augment system first to get the most out of that. Um, but with that being said... Even if Fire Mist seems to have had psychic powers so that he loved it. He loved it. He adored it. So <laughs> let's. It said Final Fantasy IV in the title. Of course he loved it. it let's talk about the other big change, <laughs> the change to 3D graphics. What did y'all think of that? Uh, as far I as the 3D goes, I mean, it looks fine. Yeah, as, 
I, I thought I was alone. I guess Mike agrees with me, but I, I thought the graphics and it looked fine. I don't get why people feel the need to uh, go over the top hating it and calling it ugly. I mean, yeah, 3D on the DS does not look great, but you know, for what it was, I thought the textures were, you know, 4DS 3D were well done. You know, at the time, it was definitely one of the best looking 3D DS games. I agree. I I personally I, I I'm personally the of the the camp that I don't use I don't believe that system limitations a great excuse to use three you know to say 3D graphics look good I I was the person who didn't care much for PlayStation One 3D graphics that was the first generation of play uh, 3D graphics people were like oh wow 3D graphics oh I can't wait to play Battle Read into shit and this is so cool I'm thinking to myself gosh Killer Instinct looks so much better than this um, but with that being said the uh, with Final Fantasy IV there were definitely times where my eyes I think were hurting. When they zoomed in on the characters and they had, you know, stubby hands or whatever have you, or well, the, I would, the pixels are really say, big. You know, I would never if if you. The, I guess what it comes down to is, did the graphics bother and distract you? You know, that's usually they, a that's, qualifier for bad ones. And if they did, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because it's the DS and you should appreciate them differently. You know, but if they, that, bothered, that's, they bothered you. Yeah, that's the problem with the PlayStation One, especially. And the DS is is a little better than a PlayStation One. With PlayStation One, they absolutely did bother me a lot. In in Final Fantasy IV DS, um, at times they bothered me, but, and I was about to qualify this, but it's all made up for seeing those scenes done in action, like when the octopus attacks the boat, and those tentacles are just coming out, and everything's moving so quick, you're not paying attention to textures and pixels anymore, you're just a, you're just watching this well-directed scene take the place. The octopus attacks the boat. The octopus attacks you in a waterfall, and the leviathan attacks you in a boat. Leviathan, I whatever, I don't really care, sea creature. Uh, the whole point is, is that <laughs> Watching I hope it, Leviathan erupts from your ceiling and kills you right now. Yeah, that's nice. The tentacles hit the ship. Whatever, start dragging people into the water. I don't care whose tentacles they are. Um, my Does whole Leviathan have tentacles. Well, something no, was dragged. What was he dragging him off to the ship with? His nose. The kraken. Are you kraken. Whatever. Kraken. kraken. Octopus. It's all the same. There's thing. no kraken. <laughs> Final Fantasy Four. Kraken is like every Final Fantasy except Final Fantasy Four. I'm teasing. Oh my gosh! Good. Then yay, I was too. <laughs> yeah. <I was> too. <laughs> the, the whole Release point. The Kraken. Some of those action scenes, haven't seen them so many times on the on the N Super Nintendo and whatnot, and they're static little scenes, and now you're seeing them, you know, move in full motion in 3D. To me, it was uh, it was worth the trade off. I, I so then okay, so that, that's another thing too. So then you you thought it looked better. You just still thought you know it's ugly DS 3D, but it yeah. was still an improvement over the the pixels. Yeah, because yeah, because the cutscenes. If they didn't have good cutscenes in there, I would have preferred they just did an upgraded version of the 2D graphics that were originally there. Yeah, and, and ugliness aside, you got a better idea of what the world looked like and what the people looked like in it in the DS version. I mean, Cecil looks like you know a chubby blob in you know armor as broad as it is tall in the in the Super Nintendo version. You, unless you looked at the Amano original artwork, you really had no idea what any of these characters looked like. I mean, some of them converted better to Super Nintendo graphics than others by the pixel artists, but I felt like for all the characters in Final Fantasy IV DS, you saw the way that they were supposed to look. You saw the way they looked in the original artwork. Granted, ugly 3D version with muddy textures, but at least they were the right... They looked right. You knew what Amato wanted them to look like. And we thought... And I we thought it's an improvement in that sense. And we finally figured out what I suspected all along. Rosa looks hot in a bikini. So there. <laughs> she doesn't look... <laughs> fat and pregnant like every character did in that game. Except Sid. Sid's supposed to look fat and pregnant. So, I love Sid. <laughs> so, 
pluses and minuses would you guys recommend Final Fantasy 4 DS? What did you give it, Glenn? I gave it a three and a half out of five. Uh, I don't I remember the exact the same, wording. So I've been completely yeah. I don't remember the exact wording in the review, but I mean, I think it was you know, if you played it before, you know what you're getting. You know, there's no, there's my review should not be a shock to you, and you're probably we're already going to get it, or it already decided not to before you even read it. And if you hadn't tried it yet. Okay, so in Glenn's selfish bubble, I actually like the GBA version better. I like the gameplay tweaks they did in the GBA version better. I liked the the extra dungeons added at the end. I like being able to play with the people that died in, or fake died in some of their cases in the game. <laughs> I liked if the GBA version's end game tweaks had been in the DS version. I would say everyone should play the DS version, but they weren't, and I liked them. As you know, as someone that one of the first RPGs I ever played was Final Fantasy II on the Super Nintendo, you know. This, there is a lot of nostalgia for me in the series, and I liked the way the DBA version added back in and let you play as Palm Porm again, and let you play as Sid again at the end. That was great to me, and I would rather have that than, you know, than DS3D with augments and some rebalancing. Sam? See, I didn't play the GBA one, so I, I can't really comment on that. I played you the said Super you like Palm Don't you need them? I love... Don't you need I them? love... I love Palm Porum. You I love do. the GBA version. Even though you haven't played it, you love it. <laughs> I guess I do. Wow, Glenn, yes, you you're psychic. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? You know what? Um, you know, if it's your first time around, you know what? I I actually wouldn't recommend this version just because of the augment system and the fact that it's not very well explained and pretty much it's a guessing game. I, and and that's the part I didn't like about it. But so, I mean, go ahead. I like this. Like I like. The story is like kind of fun in the whole. Oh my god, everybody dies, and oh my god, everybody comes back to life. And I mean, there's nothing <laughs> cooler than watching Sid, you know, jump off. I think it was like a cliff, and he's floating down. An airship. He jumps yeah. off an off airship. The airship. That was through what it was. a several mile long hole through a mountain. Blows himself yeah. up midway through, sealing <laughs> the mountain that collapses on top of himself, and he falls in a pool of lava. Seriously, there's yep. nothing more badass than that. Yeah, I still I still remember when playing he must the be game at considering that he lived through that. When playing the game on the Super Nintendo way back in the day, the I, when after Rydia had disappeared and you were going along without her, eventually I got into a big battle, the battle where she comes back and literally all of my characters wiped out except for for one and the timing where she came back was the turning point for me to be able to you know, win and when that happened, I was just like, "Oh wow, this is so cool." I mean, there were moments like that, uh, you know, that were just that were just absolutely. Think a new ahead gamer would feel that way because a lot of things was you're right. When we were children when playing we, this game, yeah, I, it was I, huge. But now, like you know, goofy stuff like that happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I mean, I, wonderful touching stuff like that happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, and that's <laughs> a little bit you know scripted things and whatnot are a little bit more common. So I, I don't think they would be as surprised this time around, especially since we just told them all through spoilers. Woo! <laughs> but that's well, what we do I on backtrack. Another, question, another point I want to make, though, uh, the augment system gets a lot of hate. But when it comes down to it, it's a small part of the game, and it's something that if you didn't yeah. use it right, you'll be bitter about. And rightfully so. It's, it, they implement it really stupidly. But, you know, on the other side of that, they rebalance the game as a whole. And yes. boss battles in particular, I thought it was really neat in the three in the DS version. I almost said 3DS. I, <laughs> That's not even out yet. I, but, uh, in the DS version, they redid the boss battles, and some of them became so much more memorable. Instead of big things with lots of HP, it was neat 
it was neat seeing them in 3D, but it was also neat that a lot of them, you had to change your strategy, and it caught yeah, me off. Yeah, and, and I do agree with that. I absolutely enjoyed the boss battles and even the random encounters a lot more. You had to be more careful. You had to ration out your stuff a little bit better. Uh, some of those dungeons were really tough to get through. You had to do a little bit more grinding to, to have an edge. Those were, were parts that I actually enjoyed. I mean, Final Fantasy IV on the Super Nintendo, in all honesty, was pretty easy. I mean, for the most part. So you know, Zero Mist was a pain in the butt. You had to mega grind for him, but other than that, everything was pretty easy. I, uh, this is a little bit of a side topic. I remember just the one, the only boss battle I remember from playing Final Fantasy IV the first time was actually I had run across Odin, and uh, I was it, it. Battle went on for like twenty, twenty-five minutes. It was just forever, and uh, he finally did his little cleave where he kills everybody, and I was. Pissed. I was yelling and screaming and throwing the controller across the room. And How did you uh, get there so early to be unable to kill him in that? Like, and then it—I I don't know. I'm just saying it—it it took a bloody long time. And then, and then suddenly, Kane dropped down from the sky. I had totally forgot I put him on jump, and he was still up there in the stratosphere somewhere. He killed Odin with that last hit, and my anger turned to a burst of joy. I was hooping, hollering. Mother comes and looks at her. What's going on in here? I was like, I beat Odin. Yeah, that that was the only memorable bass bottle for me. And I had that memory that happened to me uh, last week playing a Tree and Odyssey three. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, I get the feeling, and it, it, I think that's neat as a kid. But actually, I think it's really I think you can still feel that as an adult, don't you? You think it's just a childhood thing? I, I do. If the things are balanced, you know, yeah. it, but it's a fine line to walk between a game that's got that balance between you know being difficult and and letting you feel that that rush for the victories that you do pull off versus just being absolutely frustrating. Yeah, and, and I'm agreeing with you, by the way. That was one thing I, like I, said, I liked about the boss battles was I liked that they made them tougher and more memorable and, and more special rather than just kind of like, you know, a human that's diseased and a robot he made and they merged. Ooh! Ooh. was like kind of <laughs> all there was to that fight in the Super Nintendo version. And then the DS version, you know, he casts this horrible skill where he takes over your entire party, they murder each other, and you die. Like, oh, what? You know? <laughs> it made, I was much more traumatized by that fight in the DS version. My my take on Final Fantasy IV DS is if you're looking for – if you're if you're a fan of the Final Fantasy series especially, I, I, I might be hard to recommend for someone who's you know just getting into Final Fantasy IV or Final Fantasy for the first time. I'd probably recommend another game. But if you've played Final Fantasy IV, you're looking for something fresh. This is absolutely a fresh take. Just do it reading about the Augment system ahead of time. <laughs> I think you'll find it more enjoyable. Uh, that way, that neat little system where you can see what each character's thoughts are at the, t- at the time. Oh it's, yeah, that was yeah. really nice. Yeah, that was. Yeah, right, Mike. And that's I think it's another good point too. Is they really filled out the characters a lot more. And that was a, a small, it was a small gripe I had with the game was it made the plot seem even more silly and just so unreal that it was distractingly bad because you had these characters who they you know they I love the new localization I love the new script I love that you got to understand the people a lot more they talked more and they thought more and they seem more like real people and then they do these ridiculous unbelievable things <laughs> like a cannon's about to fire we can only stop it if I lock myself in the room and headbutt the controls until it blows me up. That's our only solution, you know? Like, we just got finished destroying a merged robot with his master spewing poison, but the only way we can turn off a cannon is by me headbutting it alone until I die. And we blow up. And I blow up. You know, like, stuff like that really stuck out to me in the DS version more than it did in the original versions. Because, well, again, it's kind of a mixed blessing, because the characters seem so much more believable and strong. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you guys have that issue, or is that a Glenn thing? 
No, I, I think it was pretty... I uh, strongly. It, I just figured, wow, this plot has not aged well in the slightest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can agree with that. Yeah, I mean, because after... Even, and, and even after just playing Final Fantasy six i mean it just four just see, always seemed like whenever i go back and play four it always seems like a it, it feels like i'm playing like atari versus playing nintendo you're taking that step back but you're doing it knowing full well what you're getting into. i'm not sure if i'm more insulted that you can compare final fantasy six to nintendo or more insulted that <laughs> you compare four to pong poor pong how would you insult it so <laughs> Pong? Yeah, Pong is still a mighty pleasant diversion yeah. if you have nothing else well, to that, do. Well, that's what I'm saying. Atari games... Pong, Atari Pong is so much better than Final Fantasy IV. You insult Pong. No, Atari, I mean, Atari games yeah, are fun to go... Nobody goes into Pong expecting this great, that's world-spanning ex- story of the two balls and which one is going to vanish up the side of the That's screen. exactly my point. Atari games are a fun diversion, uh, whereas Nintendo games, if you're going back and you're playing retro games, you're playing Nintendo games, they're going to tend to be more you know more media experiences you're playing like super mario 3 or whatever have you obviously there's a ton more depth and stuff and you're going to spend more time with that game atari games i'll go and i'll play for 15 minutes here and there and it's a guilty pleasure and i'm done well, that's my that's what final fantasy very meaty you apparently did not have good opponents yeah there my you go. human opponents provided much meat to the plot of my story of pong final fantasy 4 is kind of like the light rpg where i don't worry so much about the plot or the story or the characters it's just something you kind of jump into jump out until you run to the wall called the augment system. Anyway, one of the things that we want to do here. I really hate the augment system. I just, you know, that's I like just, the first I, time you throw just, in FYI, I, I hate the augment system. I haven't actually said a whole lot about it, you know, during the podcast. So, anywho. <laughs> um, one of the things, uh, as our listeners know, the Blast from the Recent Past games are games that came out a, a couple years ago around this time. So, one of the things that I also want to cap before we end the segment i just want to mention what those games are going for if you you, you pass up these games the first time if they sounded like something after listening to uh glenn talk about them for a few minutes you decide you want to go out and buy them i'll tell you right now you can get izuna 2 the unemployed ninja returns on half.com which is a sister site of ebay it's also a good place to check prices they're going for about uh, 12 to 15 bucks final fantasy 4 for the nintendo ds is also going for about 16 17 bucks and chocobo's dungeon is about a 20 buck area so you can get those games for less than half so price. So, Phil, when they based came on the out. fact that you played Izuna One, Chocobo's Dungeon, and 4DS, which one of those three would you say is the best? Mm, I'd say Chocobo's Dungeon. Excellent, I would too. Yeah, that's what people should go buy. They should go buy it right now. Only twenty bucks. So, actually, I see one for sale for only fifteen. So, grab it while it's low price. So, we're gonna take a little bit of a break, and we'll come back to talk about vampires that don't sparkle in the sunlight. Be right back. Welcome back, and so we've got a trio of vampire games to talk about. Mike, why don't you, why don't you start this segment off? 
Well, we're probably talking about Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow then, which is a direct sequel to Aria of Sorrow, which I think is the one of the few times that a Castlevania game takes place very, very close to another one. So we're still in the future. We're still dealing with hoverboards and flying cars, although they don't show up because this is, again, Dracula's castle. And we're still dealing with Soma Cruz, who still has the ability to suck up his enemy's souls, only now he can do more than one of them to power up the effects. And we also have... It's on the DS, so you can look at the map without having to pull up a separate menu, and that's pretty handy, I gotta say, after you've played the ones on the GBA. And then there's one other thing they did on the DS, which uh, they shouldn't have in retrospect. Everybody in the first couple of years of the DS made you do a touchscreen gimmick, and this one has you scrolling out a symbol in order to properly kill the boss, and if you don't do it right, then the boss gets some life back and you have to fight some more, and Sam wants to say something. Okay, so my first question ever is totally, why is Selma, uh, Soma Cruz here such a babe? Do you all think that Soma Cruz is such a babe? <laughs> he did say Soma Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what his name is. Soma uh, Cruz! Uh, <laughs> uh, Glenn, do why don't you field that one? <laughs> Soma Cruz. I don't know. Well, no, they went to the anime style for, for this one because they were trying to appeal to a younger demographic, and they decided that bloody gothic awesome designs that made everyone think Castlevania was a cool series had no place in this game. So they made it bubbly pop anime cartoon. Yeah, so this way children would buy it. Ka-ching. If there's nothing that's in, you know, a child's patience, it's a incredibly difficult Castlevania game that mid-boss fight needs you to whip out the stylus and scratch a symbol on the screen in less than half a second, or you could do the whole thing over again. Exactly. I don't know why they missed out on that obvious marketing gimmick before. That's depressing. Well, it is Castlevania. Castlevania games. It is Castlevania DS. Unless you're drawing something on the screen, you're not taking advantage of the hardware. This was also oh, back when they did the subtle thing or strange coincidence that blew out of proportion, where all the opening DS games, the symbol, the letters in the game spelled out DS. So mm-hmm. Dawn of Sorrow was the DS Castlevania. Mm-hmm. So I remember the level design being pretty good in this one. One of the earliest levels is apparently a fusion of Dracula's castle with uh, wherever you were at the, before the game actually starts, and you can jump on a car, which is not actually that exciting, but in a Castlevania game, for some reason, it stuck with me. I'm stupid. Well, it's in the way. future, so it has cars in addition to daggers and whips. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if there were any lasers. I don't immediately no. recall. So. Think, I think there was a rocket launcher in it. There probably was. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'll run down my, my take with this game Go so um, I played this a little after Symphony of the Night this was one of the first DS games I got and uh, yeah this is I, I called Donna Sorrow my favorite Castlevania game I really liked it um, I thought that the I think it's just a very customizable game. I like the randomness in it. I like you. Know, so you know, as you said earlier, you know, you kill enemies, and sometimes you get their souls afterwards. Sometimes you don't, and a soul would have a special ability to it. But then, the more of the souls that you have, 
sometimes it powers up the ability so there's always like this cat you know you get a new soul you real quickly like look it up decide if this is going to fit in your strategy if this is something you want to use maybe if you got you know another soul that you already had one of does this power it up enough that it's worth trying it again and just felt like the type of game that you would never play the same exact way twice because maybe you get a really rare soul and you know use that most of the game and then your next playthrough you wouldn't get it and uh, I like that feel I like games that give me choice you know um and it's kind of silly when things are considered RPG elements or not, but like just in general in strategy games and RPGs, I like to choose something and then feel like you know think things through, decide this is what I want, and then try it and see if it works. And of the Castlevania games, this was the one, and it's pre- the game before it. Ariasaro did it well too. That just really kind of made me think and plan out a strategy, and I lo- you know the randomness in it, and I just thought it was a really well balanced Castlevania game. There were a couple you know rough bosses. But it, you know, it never really killed me. It never felt overly difficult. So, Donosaur is my favorite Castlevania game. Fair enough. What did you think about it, Mike? I enjoyed it immensely. I would put it about on par with Ari of Sorrow, which I enjoyed immensely. Also, I did not play this one at the time of its release. I played it almost two years ago now. Um, trying to remember under what circumstances, but I just I hadn't played into Castlevania for a little while at the time I picked this one up and playing this immediately reminded me of why I played Castlevania games before and I stuck with it addicted until I got the real ending because of course this is a Castlevania game, there will be multiple endings and for some reason I had a real hard time getting to the final area um, you're fighting this idiot who has Dracula's soul partially implanted in him and he wants to be the heir to Dracula or something and in order to really get this guy instead of just killing his stupid butt you need to uh, use a certain soul in front of a mirror it's fairly obvious but for whatever reason it wasn't working the first time so I just went ahead and killed him and then uh oh that's not the right thing to do I must have been dumb and so I had to I swore I was doing it right so I had to look around and yeah I was just being stupid somehow. It didn't work. Nah. But I enjoyed the soul collection aspect very much. I didn't make a point in this one for the very first time of trying to get every soul. I did that in Aria of Sorrow. I spent dozens of hours. Oh, that is crazy. Freaking. No way. You got every soul in I Aria did. of Sorrow? I did. You, sir, are mentally unique. <laughs> well, we already knew that, so confirmation is always welcome. But you know, I just, I just decided I'm done with that phase of my life. I don't need to get every soul, particularly not when I can get up to nine of them in this one. Wow, at that rate, next year you're going to be ready to make friends. That's just so. Cool what did you, so for Dawn of Sorrow, across all the Castlevania games, you said you played a lot of them, obviously. What did you think set this one apart from the other ones? I wouldn't say the difficulty except for the artificial difficulty boost of forcing you to draw the symbols for the bosses, and they got fairly complex by the end, forcing you to practice them in the menu unless you liked watching the boss regain most of its health so that you have to fight it over and over until you finally get the thing right. Uh, in a sense, I would, lo- I would say this is a continuation of all the good things that Arya of Sorrow did, only made even better. And... Like usual, Castlevania games always have good soundtracks. This one is no exception to that. Uh, unfortunately, there was no proper soundtrack of this, so you have to listen to rips straight from the DS-quality speakers, which sound like DS-quality speakers. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> we have a surprise guest. Welcome on to back on, on Backtrack, Mr. Manny. 
Hey, it's good to be here. A little we, late, but I'm still here. Hey, better late than never. We were just talking about uh, Castlevania: Dawn of Sorrows, and uh, we've we've already discussed the, the you know some of the game mechanics and whatnot. And everyone's just oh, kind of sharing perfect. their opinions on it. Perfect, perfect, because that's the one I didn't play. Ah, okay. Uh, well, there you so go. Wait, so, Phil, have you played Dawn of Sorrow, or is it just going to be me and Mike for a few more minutes? Um, you know, I I played it for a few hours. It was one of the games that I got like with a whole bunch of other DS games when I got my DS, and so I was kind of distracted. So, what is wrong with you that you played the best Castlevania game for only a couple hours and never went back to it, even for this backtrack which you planned? <laughs> I was too well, he's busy. He's been playing too much of uh. What was it, Dragon Quest and Puzzle Quest lately? That's I right. I assure you that Dawn of Sorrow is superior to anything that starts with Puzzle Quest or Dragon Quest. No, oh, man, Dragon Quest Nine is the bomb. And don't you talk bad about it again, or otherwise I'll replace your voice with Shirley's. Again. <laughs> so there. Wait, wait, Phil, did you just suddenly become Fire Mist? What's going on here? Oh, oh don't you be talking bad about my Dragon Quest now. Don't you be talking like bad about Miss. Insult site owners on this podcast because <laughs> we know he doesn't listen to it. <laughs> That's like insulting right. Chris on backtrack. You know, come on now. Oh. Now, Danny, one of the reasons you didn't play Donna Sorrow is because of the, uh, the Saturday morning cartoon redesign, right? It was a huge disappointment for me. Oh, that's right. You're one of the psycho rage people. Not psycho rage people. It's just honestly, I didn't even own a DS at the time. I didn't buy a DS until the DS Lite came out, and by that Same. point, Dawn of Sorrow has already been out on the market for like a year or two, and I just never felt like going back. I said, eh. oh, so it wasn't it wasn't like trendy enough at the time you got the DS. It was old. Ugh, you make me sound so petty. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> oh, no, just like, well, come on. You know, by that point, there were actually games I actually wanted to play on the system, and something with like. A, been there, done that game, I felt like, oh, and the touchscreen controls, the touchscreen controls were a real huge turnoff to me, the fact that I had to grab the stylus and, like, move ice blocks out of the way every now and then. No, 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 so you didn't, and, the, oh, the problem the wasn't the and ice the blocks, that was a gimmick, the problem was, in the middle of a boss fight, in order to kill a boss, you had to draw this design over his face. That too. So, like, so, you know, you're doing the whole Castlevania thing, where, you know, it's, you know, tight windows, and you're learning patterns, and you're dodging at the right time, and attacking at the right time. Now quick, and take your sudden... hands off the controls and draw something. Exactly, exactly. There's, like, no life bar. It's just, like, one of the times you attack, and, like, you know, in that time where the boss usually freezes and then dies, it freezes, and then a giant symbol covers the screen, and you have about one second to draw a pattern really quick that it shows you. Or if Which you don't, it... it revives with a little bit more life. Yeah, yeah, it revives with a good bit more life. Maybe 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 a third to a half. So quite honestly, the, I mean, those three factors, the fact that um, it was already old by the time I got my DS, it was the art style was a complete turnoff, and I didn't want to draw anything. Just okay. I just said, forget it, I'll skip it. The, the the drawing thing is a better reason than the anime cutscenes. I, mean, I think it's actually, everything together. It's a whole package. For me, this had one of the better plots. So I, I'd be tempted to say something like, it's Castlevania, just close your eyes for the cutscenes and pretend like it's bloody. But I, the, I, If I, it had voice acting, maybe I could a, do that. I thought Don Osaro had a pretty good plot for a Castlevania game. I mean, in, interesting stuff happened in it. Did, what did you think, Mike? Well, I wasn't paying too much attention to the plot, but I oh. wasn't actively bored by it, and... Uh, well, there's no yeah. Dracula in the game. The idea is, at the end of Aria Sorrow, you kill Dracula and you absorb his soul, and then this is Donna Sorrow, and it's a couple years later, and now you have a cult trying to kill you because you have Dracula's soul, and if you die, 
it'll let Dracula come back again. So these crazy people built a castle to look just like Dracula's because they're such a big fan, and they want you to go to his castle, and then they'll kill you, then Dracula can come back, and he already has a castle! We're so cool, we're great followers, and that's the plot of the game. So I mean, there's a little bit more to it than that, but like I, I thought it was clearly watching the Hammer horror movies before any Castlevania movies were ever ma- games were ever made because there are at least eight or nine movies made by Hammer in which a cult comes along and gets a hold of Dracula's <laughs> blood or something and revives Christopher Lee so that he can show up at the end and be killed again. And then I and said then like, for a Castlevania game, not compared to classic movies. <laughs> well, I'm. I, I when know I the plot RPGs and the major aspects of Castlevania. I, I don't compare them to Fight Club and be like, this plot is terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't talk about Fight Club now. So that uh, we can stop right. the podcast we're, and stop right, talking about Castlevania. Talk we didn't say anything, everybody. There is no Fight Club. Okay, that's better. There's Bollywood <laughs> Fight Club, though. Yeah, I, 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 I... About that, even if it existed. No, it's yeah. real. Bollywood Fight Club is real. I want to talk about it. <laughs> I love it. You're not supposed to talk about club. it, Sam. Films can't be in Fight Club. I'm gonna go cry in my corner. That's right. Keep uh, talking. You're not Michelle Yeoh. No, I, I, I think, I think you shouldn't. I mean, personally, man, I think, yeah, the, the anime doesn't fit in with the canon. You know, I guess, but. You don't let it bother you. I mean, I played the game. Oh, but, for... but it was like all three things. At this point, I don't want to go back. I'm already playing. I've already played what's a two Castlevania on DSs. I'm burned out. I don't want no more. I don't want no more. <laughs> <laughs> Only so I, I'm sort of the same book you were, Manny. My first DS was the DS Lite too, but Portrait of Ruin wasn't out yet then. So I wanted to play a Castlevania game, and I'd already played Aria Sorrow and loved it. And I played Symphony of Night and loved it, so Dawn of Sorrow was the only option. I didn't want to go back for the other two GBA games because they didn't sound as good. So I, I think got I was Dawn right. of Sorrow right away with the light because I wanted to play a Castlevania game yeah. and there were no other options. I think I was right in the middle, and at that point I was still replaying. I kind of went backwards. I played Aria of Sorrow first, and then I played Harmony of what Harmony of Dissonance. Dissonance, and then that sort of filled my gap until uh, Portrait of Ruin came out. By then, I thought, okay, no more touch screens. It has a uh, character switching oh, so, mechanic. So wait, Aria Sorrow did didn't that have a bubbly style too, or no? No, not at no. all. It was a Yamakujima. Oh, okay. That's weird. I didn't realize they changed styles midway. You know, they only have Castlevania never has direct sequels, and the one time they do it, they rape the art style between them. I didn't. I didn't oh, I, as, I didn't you know why they do that though. It's because they wanted to appeal to a broader audience and get more sales, and uh, I'm glad that worked for them. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as the, the gimmick in the middle of the bosses thing goes, that didn't have a big impact on me. I I kind of enjoyed it. I liked the fact that it added a little bit more danger, so there's something else to learn after you've learned the boss's movements. And for most of the bosses in the game, it was fine. The problem was the last time you have to do it, the pattern was crazy, and that boss was hard. And I eventually yes. just kept the stylus in my mouth because I didn't have enough time to pull it out the DS, or I used to keep it by the DS. I didn't have enough time, so I kept the stylus in my mouth. And when I when he got close to dying, I would kind of get my head close to the screen, and then when I you know fake killed him. It was right there by my hand. I could grab the stylus and do the symbol real quick, and then you know he would die. And even then, I didn't get it all the time. But yeah, I that does not I, sound I like fun. extra danger. Yeah, that sound fun. <laughs> I can, no, I can understand. I think that's a fair gripe. But um, I think we said it before you joined. But the the thing I really liked about Donosaro was I thought it was the most customizable and strategic of all the Castlevanias. Oh yeah, the soul system was clearly the best. I mean, even yeah. in order. Of, well, maybe the only thing that could rival it at this point is Order of Ecclesia. 
but then that game has some problems of its own, but we'll get into later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll get to but that. as far as these three we're going to talk about, Donosaur is my favorite of the three, mainly because of... Well, it also, of the three, it's the only one that had a full... The whole game is Dracula's Castle. You know, the other two went went elsewhere with that. And I'm a... It's not nostalgia, because I didn't play Symphony of the Night until after Aria of Sorrow, so it's just the last few years, but just my personal preference. I think Castlevania is better when it does one, you know, the, the Metroidvania, one big castle, you explore it thing, than when it tries to go back and do crappy little stages. So, uh, so that, that was I, I will part. Okay, I will be the counterpoint, because I actually do like the little vignettes that they create. Oh, the, the, the crappy little platforming stages that are boring? No, 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 the, the varied and interesting vignettes. <laughs> very interesting. There's like, I mean, not between games. It's the same thing every game, but within one game, the castle has different parts. There's like the party part where there are clowns. And you know what's fun about Order of Ecclesia and other games like this is where you can easily get back to a, a somewhere to save, and you can easily get back to a place to buy stuff. You can easily get back to a place to interact with other people. That's fun. oh, you can't do that in Don of Sorrow. You'll die. No, you can't. <laughs> if you try to go back and save it, you're dead. You might as well just cut the game off. That, you know, that actually, it's fair though. That is one problem with Donna Sorrow that can reasonably frustrate people is, and it happened to me, you know, you're playing, you're exploring further in the castle and you're like praying for a save point and you kill some monster and get a soul and you're like, wow, this is awesome, great, I can't, I love this projectile, OMG. And then like the next screen you die, you know, and like, <laughs> you, you, you couldn't go back and save it because you would have died going back to the last save point. And like the, you reload and play again and you realize you're like, you know, you missed a, a side path that would have led you to a save three screens ago and you could have saved the soul. And then, of course, you don't get that soul again ever for the rest of the game because it was rare. I mean, that's. I'm okay with stuff like that in a game. I can see that driving people mad. That bother you, Mike, when you played it? Not really. I don't know. I'm just. Wait, it didn't happen I'm to fairly, you? Uh, I'm fairly crazy about if I get something really, really good, I have to go back and save immediately, even though I don't save very often, usually, because. Uh, forgetful that way. But if I get something that I know I'm going to want and do and never want to have to cry about having and never being able to get back again, then, yep, I run back and save because I'm... But you die on the way back. That happened to me more in Dawn of Sorrow than with the other two. Like, I died a lot more while trying to go back to a save point. I didn't have any major issues that way. Not that I remember. Like, especially with Order of Ecclesia, I had an easy time just being a sissy and dodging enemies to run back to save points when I was about to die. For some reason, just well, the way they were structured in the level, I had a much harder time in Dawn of Sorrow. Yeah, because it was that big labyrinth maze, and you'd have to remember yeah. what section of the castle you had. Like like in Aria of Sorrow, they didn't do that in Aria. I know in Aria of Sorrow, they had the, the, the entrance of the castles where you could meet somebody, there was a war point, and there was a merchant. They didn't have that in Dawn? Yeah, no, they had that in Dawn. It was just yeah, for whatever reason the game to seemed there. tougher, or the, or the enemies weren't things that you could just hop over. You had to fight your way back. In, gotcha. uh, in Order of Ecclesia, I mean, just like a minor setup thing, I could, like, if I was about to die, a lot of times I could run back to the last save point, even if it was ten screens away, just by being a wuss and jumping over enemies and stuff. Or even better yet, they gave you a, a map that you can use at any right. time to right. walk you, you back to lost. the village. It was more just my inability to not get hit on the way back to the last save gotcha. point. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess I just kept the map on the top screen all the time and have gotten pretty good at navigating in Castlevanias. That's my excuse. Okay, you kids want to move on to the next one? Let's do that. Let's talk about um, the ruin Torture to Ruin. Yeah. Its initials spell poor, which is what I think of this game. Oh. <laughs> How do you really feel, Glenn? 
You want me to go again? I talk so much. Okay. What about you guys? Have you played this? Yes, I have. You know, I don't know why, I don't know how, but I liked this one the best of the DS Castlevanias. It's a, it's a close call over Donna Sorrow, but somehow I like this a little bit more. And I'm glad this sounds like something to... Seraphim Kitten would say. <laughs> yep, I knew Glenn was going to rip me apart, and there it is. <laughs> that's, that's the Please, rip me apart some more. I can say, apparently. <laughs> I, I, I thought it had. Um, well, no, you go right ahead. Let me hear why, and then I'll okay. throw in my two cents. I really liked the dual character system somehow. I liked how a lot of enemies had different reactions to which character you had. Um, na naturally, you're probably going to use Jonathan most of the time, but I found a lot of use for Charlotte every now and again. Uh, I liked I liked the design of the dungeon somehow where, where you end up going into the desert with e in Egypt or to Victorian England or in the, a mining cart. I realized that that could have probably been integrated into Dracula's castle somehow, but somehow I liked going through the paintings to get out there. I really liked the music in this one. That's always a big thing for me, because if I can't stand the music, then I'm going to forget the game real fast. So, so wait, so you observe, and I'm not making fun of you, you observe noticeable differences in the soundtrack between the Castlevania games? Because they kind of all sound alike to me. It could just be that I have a bad music, musical ear. Yeah, I can well, easily pick apart well, the tracks that are in this game as opposed to. I can also tell you why it's pretty simple. Is um, as as uh, Mitru Yaman has been the the series composer for a long time, and I feel like a lot of times her music gets better the more familiar and comfortable she gets with a platform. Okay. Like uh, for example, like the the first DS game. I mean, the first Game Boy Advance game had a good soundtrack, but then everything else suffered. Then the second one had great art, but then the music suffered, and they f finally found a balance by the third one. And the more familiar they got with the DS, the better. Plus, maybe the plus to to fit all those little little vignette portrait, uh, picture settings, she got to be a little a little bit more varied in what she was doing. She could be like, "All right, this is the Egypt level, straight up Egypt music. We're going full out." <laughs> so yeah, there, he didn't have very many, but Yuzo Koshiro had a few compositions in here, and I think he's always awesome. Glenn would know him because he does the Etrian Odyssey music. I love him. He's my favorite composer. <laughs> Uh, no, it's funny because like this game felt like sort of um, uh, I'm at a loss for words but sort of like this experiment for them where you know what we make a lot of Castlevania games but what if we made this really cool level here and what if we made a clown level stage why would this be in the castle it doesn't make any sense but I don't care I want to make a clown level and let's have some cool clown music you know circus yeah, I, music I liked that level where you're just circling around a gigantic Circus in trapped in space time. Yeah, and, and like a and warped and with warped uh, sort of like Super Mario Galaxy kind of gravity, where it's just sort of you're shifting all over the place, and it, it's, that's why I enjoyed the vignettes of sort of um, or should I say levels, platforms. They felt like little mini stories contained in each one, like something's clearly happening here, and I like that because it gave the the, the producers, the developers, a chance to just go wild and say, all right, let's let's have a full on Egypt level, let's do everything we ever want to do with Egypt stuff right here, right now. Yeah, what else was there? Oh, there's Jonathan's um, weapon power-up system, which isn't the equal of the soul system. Not much is, but I enjoyed it. I changed sub-weapons a few times to try the results, and I think I ended up killing things for a little while with, uh, I think it was the axes. I don't remember exactly, and powering that up sufficiently. So his sub-weapon, though, was just like... The sub weapon in Castlevania One for the Nintendo, right? I mean, wasn't it just 
like the holy water axe dagger selections, the typical Castlevania ones, or but I'm forgetting. He had those, but he had some others, and silly me, I didn't spend enough time exploring all the potential options. I just picked a couple that seemed to work, and I focused on buffing them up. We will fail a little bit here is that we didn't give any background on what this game actually is, or maybe the setup, in case you're not familiar with it. Is a uh, portrait ruin takes place, God knows where in the timeline, and you're uh, like in the forties. World War Two is out there, and so um, this guy, this uh, what whatever his face is, has decided. Uh, Jonathan, to and no, you're no, apparently you're like villain. a cousin or like a, a nephew of one of the Belmonts, and you're paired no, up with no, a. You know your main villain, the the guy who's painting everything and has taken over Dracula's castle because he's a jerk, and um, well, whatever his name was, the. The guy you're fighting for most of the, Braun, of the game. Braun. Till... I don't know, the, the pale guy. Braun, something like that, right? That sounds right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and he has his daughters who are still alive, and that makes a, an annoying battle if you want the real ending because you have to stop them without killing them, and that was, well, that was kind of a challenge, actually. But yeah, but, but the, the whole point of this setup is the fact that you are controlling two characters at the same time, a fighter and a magician, which you can easily switch between by pushing, like, the Y button. You can switch to them instantly, and this mechanic is used all over the game to fight enemies, to weak, uh, to get around obstacles, and a, and a few puzzles, like a, a motorcycle sequence, so you have to be constantly switching to make your way through an obstacle course. I remember Yeah, that. but, like, you know fighting from screen to screen with skeletons walking at you, what it came down to it was you're either a chick with a spell book or you can switch to a man with a sword or a whip. <laughs> I mean, compared to Dawn of Sorrow, it was just a huge step back for me. You can't see that? I mean, you're right, uh, you had one choice pretty much. I mean, I'm not... You're right, it wasn't literally a Belmont with a whip, but it was... It was just very, very restrictive, I thought. It took away the two things I liked best about Dawn of Sorrow. It took away both of them. It took away the coherent castle, and it took away all the customizing and the souls. I wouldn't say it was restrictive at all, because um, it had me thinking about a Castlevania in a different way, in a way I haven't thought of before. I wasn't just thinking of... I was thinking in a lot of different terms. Like, first you had Wind, who was this ghost character who was giving you quests to do on the side. So while I'm going through these missions, these levels, I'm thinking about the quests I need to accomplish. Secondly, I have two characters that I keep track of, sort of like Mario and Luigi, and I'm always thinking, can she get up there? Oh, is this a good spell book for her? Is this a spell I want to get for her? Is this a new weapon for him? And just switching between the two to try to get to new... To, because I think she had like a floaty jump, like Luigi. So I'd be like switching in the air, midair, trying to land on different places. And I'm also thinking about, okay, which... Which portrait do I need to get to next? Oh, and I'll look at the architecture of this place. Oh, it is Victorian England. Oh, look, there's a giant Frankenstein and werewolves everywhere. I mean, maybe not restrictive. I don't know if restrictive. I just didn't notice it. I was too busy thinking about everything else. This game just. Well, you also didn't play Dawn of Sorrow. You get the same feeling with finding a new soul in Dawn of Sorrow, but that happens a hundred times, whereas in Portrait of Ruin, it happened a few times. Yeah, but this by no means is a bad game. I mean, this whole thing was pretty slick. Even the UI was pretty well done for, like, managing your two characters and the way it was presented to you. One thing that's not related to gameplay, but this is the first handheld Castlevania where Konami actually translated the voices on screen into English. And I thought they did a pretty good job, frankly. I didn't have yeah, any this... complaints with the voice acting I heard. That's the one thing I remember the most about the game. Jonathan, Charlotte, Jonathan, Charlotte, <laughs> Jonathan. So I had no problem with Portrait Ruins uh, setup. I did think it was a, I mean, obviously it was a more retro Castlevania, whereas uh, 
the Sorrow games kind of took what they did in Symphony of the Night and kind of just expanded on it and expanded on it, I thought Portrait of Ruin was more retro, which I'd be fine with. You know, I played the old Castlevania games back in the day on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo and enjoyed them. Uh, aside from that, that, that step back with the, the retro-ness of it, I thought the gameplay in Portrait of Ruin wasn't as tight. I found the design component of the levels, like from an art perspective, to be great. I mean, I, I agree with you, Manny, and that, that clown level was very memorable. I mean, they, the Castlevania games have always had, like, a clownish section. Yeah, usually, like, I think it was Symphony of the Night or it was Dawn of Sorrow that had it near the entrance, and it was kind of like the parlor area. But, uh, I mean, that portrait room, it did do neat things, and they definitely took advantage of the fact that they had these tiny, coherent pockets and could do whatever goofy stuff and whatever fun stuff or, you know whatever horrible and gruesome stuff they wanted to do within each segment, that I'm all okay with. And I, and I agree with you. I agree with everything you said about all that. But from a gameplay perspective and from a, a 2D platformer design perspective, I thought it was just... It was too much of a huge step back where um, the levels were tiny. They were all like linear and straightforward. You know, Once you hopped in a painting, you pretty much had a path. Then you walked from one end of the path to the other end of that path. And you're right if you got pulled into the art and the design, there was a lot there. But when it came down to was you were just fighting through, you know, four or five or six screens to get to a boss to the end to go on to the next painting. And what I had grown accustomed to from Castlevania was was exploration and what's around the next corner of feel and choices, you know, the multiple paths and multiple things to customize and multiple weapons. And then here I was back to I mean I thought just looking at it strictly as a platformer I didn't think Portrait of Ruin was as good as Castlevania 3. I didn't think Portrait of Ruin was as good as the Super Nintendo Castlevania I had. Uh, I can't remember which one. I had one of them. Whichever one I had, that one. And I thought they were better 2D platformers. So, I, I mean, to be fair, I, I, I like the idea just... on paper, and I like the art that they drew, but the way they executed it, I just thought it was a 2D platformer. It wasn't that good. The whole thing was an experiment, clearly. I mean, which of the Castlevania had you switching, had you controlling two characters at the same time, or had so many... I mean... If anything, this whole th- it was meant to be sort of like these compartmentalized experiences, and just mm-hmm. meant to be played. I mean, if, if if anything, the design was meant so you can play it over and over again. Because the amount of unlockable characters in this game was ridiculous. I mean, it's just you know you could basically unlock the two sisters. You can unlock to, to uh, you can switch between instead of Charlotte and Belmont, Charlotte and Jonathan. You could have Richard Belmont, um, Maria. You could have Old Axe Armor, uh, Leon Belmont, Trevor Belmont, Juice Belmont, Simon Belmont. I mean, was that, was it was that meant... all game, or is that only when you beat it? I can't remember. I think that's when you beat it. Okay, that's what I thought because I never beat it. I don't remember what you're talking about. Oh. I thought maybe I right. no, just. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> to be fair, for... Donosaru did that too. When you finished oh, Donosaru, like unlocked an alternate mode where you played as a Belmont, with the idea being that so, uh, Soma Cruz gave in to his darkness and became Dracula. Which actually, I thought I thought that was unplayable. I, I thought that uh, playing Donosaru with a whip was not fun. It was just, I guess, I'm a wuss. It was too hard for me. Oh, I, I'm just saying, like a lot of this was meant to be. Like, it just felt like an experiment, like not a t- quite traditional Castlevania. A lot of new ideas and, a, and like a new direction for the series, I guess. So does that Could mean you don't disagree with me that the the two D platforming gameplay wasn't as good? I think that I think that if you have that problem and that concern, that's not, that's on you. I mm-hmm. actually enjoyed the experience. I thought it was fine. I I played it. And I had fun. I beat it. But I could see how you might not be your. Uh, it might not be 
because I, I like 2D platformers. You know, as I would never hate a game just because it's a 2D platformer. I like. I'm looking forward to Epic Mickey. They just had such a great E3 demo that I put it on my halftime report list on games I'm looking forward to. So I mean, I have no problem with 2D platformers. Oh, I just oh, thought then you're gonna be Fortune disappointed Ruin didn't Mickey, live up because Epic me. Mickey is barely. There's no like next to nothing is 2D platforming in that game. Well, I'm just saying I don't mind it. I mean, I, I didn't know that, but I, I have no problem with 2D platformers. I like. I'm the just saying, I'm you know. GBA. I just, I just thought, you know, between the Metro, between, uh, I can't remember their names, between the Metroid games on the GBA, between Area of Sorrow and Symphony of the Night, I, mean, I don't play a lot of 2D platformers anymore, but I've played so many great ones that for me, the 2D platforming in Portrait of Ruin was not great. I mean, it wasn't bad. You know, bad. but, but you always have to consider that there's like, a, I, I hate to be the defense force here, but there was only three DS Castlevania games. And it seems like Order of Ecclesia largely got ignored. So it's either Dawn of Sorrow and this, for the most part, in most people's minds, collective consciousness, right? And I don't know. Next to, uh, maybe. And, maybe. I, well, I know a lot of people like Portrait of Ruin. I don't think you're nuts. I, I know a lot of people liked it. So if, that, if what you're saying is most people's favorite is Portrait of Ruin... No, I'm Dawn not saying Sorrow, that most people's favorite saying? is Portrait of Ruin. I'm just saying that a fairly competent, well-executed, with... I mean, Castlevania on a DS, where you don't have to use silly touchscreen controls, where you get to get new mechanics like switching characters, a quest system, where you where the art style is better than the first game, the music is slightly better, and you can see that the creative the creative forces, the creative direction on the team sort of they got to do whatever they wanted to. They got to create well, whatever levels, whatever. You never played Dawn of Sorrow. So you're just talking about so Dawn of Sorrow, point, like theoretically. Ah, uh, all right, all right, Glenn, just sit in the corner for a second and let me finish. All right, okay. so basically. <laughs> What I'm saying is that for all the reasons that I listed, that is a really competent and good Castlevania game. And it doesn't – just because you liked Port Dawn of Sorrow much better doesn't mean that this one is disappointing by any stretch of the imagination. But what about the part where I said it's not a great 2D platformer? Castlevania name aside, it's not a great 2D platformer. All right, all right. They're There's someone, tiny, else, they're someone else they're linear. What did you, Mike, did you find the platforming satisfying? Yeah. I didn't find that there was anything particularly off about it, and I thought it was on par with other Castlevania games. Not perhaps at the pinnacle of it, but certainly nothing to be ashamed of. Did you find the 2D sections within the paint? I don't know why I keep saying 2D. Did you find the platforming within the paintings, the design of those areas, not to be linear and feel kind of uninspired? Where you're either walking down a ship, and then there's a boss, or you're walking down a pyramid, and then there's a boss... You know, except for that clown level you mentioned, most of them are pretty. It's all a cohesive package. That's the point. It's, I it's... remember the pyramid paths having more, or levels having more than one path you could go down. I don't remember how hmm? you could go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that's just, that's, that's who why is more than one? Well done, sir. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay. Well, that well was... speaking of not beating it, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> Did you foul up on Dracula and Death's tag team or Dracula and Death's merging with its gigantic hands that need to be beaten back or they'll destroy you utterly? <laughs> that was what I... Actually, I got to the very end of the game. That was when I stopped. I just... I wasn't really enjoying it and didn't care enough to see a cutscene. So when they merged and I died several times to that, I was like, and now on to more fun things. Yeah, I died and then I figured it out. Oh, I need to be attacking his hands so that they do not destroy me utterly. I don't I don't remember exactly why I didn't think of attacking his hands. I just figured, oh, I need to hide in the middle because clearly this gigantic attack that is going to affect the entire screen will not affect me if I'm hiding. I was wrong. 
when I realized there were no more paintings was kind of when I was done because I, I did think the different settings and seeing what they came up with in the paintings was interesting. It was just the highlight for me was walking to the painting, seeing the setting, seeing what they did, and then, oh, having to, like, beat that You know, painting. why don't you just get to watch this game on YouTube because it seems like all you wanted was to hear some music and look at pretty pictures. I did right. Anything that involves me not playing it would be fantastic. I mean, I mean, it's like I you make it sound like this is like some mongoloid of a video game, which is just atrocious. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, that's the reason why I didn't like it. I didn't think it was fun to play. So the this should fun. all be making Everyone sense. Else when I said joy. It, it was like Mario and Luigi made it and turned into a Castlevania game. It was fine. I mean, I was too busy switching characters and enjoying the scenery, enjoying the music, enjoying the quest to be thinking like to you know how bad the gameplay great, was. I know. Great, great pantheon of Castlevania games. This is clearly not superior into the, the great game of Castlevania 3 but uh, only the Master System version because we all know that one is the it's like come on man Just have clearly you're fun. not a true Castlevania fan if you don't compare oh, everything to Castlevania play 3 I even played it beat all the ones on the Playstation 2 all the 3D ones so don't don't call me the out the bad ones this is the problem you only play the terrible Castlevanias and you no, skipped on the Sorrow I played you played Ruin I played and you're like this is so much better than a PS2 3D Castlevania I never said that. You're calling out my castle. Oh, whatever. Next game. <laughs> hey, Phil. You played this, this, didn't you? Yeah, Phil, you played this. You're being so quiet. You just let yeah. us have fun. I, You know, I'm sitting here with my popcorn and my Coke. I'm watching the, <laughs> the big fight here. Why would I want to jump in the middle and get bruised? Make me angry. Make Manny angry. Make someone angry. What did uh, you think of it? Speak. You, you know, I, 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 personally, I personally liked it. I... I I can actually see both sides it. of the yeah. argument, so I just I I liked the, the the different scenes. I like being able to jump into the portraits. I mean, I kind of like that with the uh, Order of Ecclesia too, doing the different what you know, which we should talk about now. <laughs> to, you know, going to the different areas and stuff. I like seeing interject? those different scenes. Absolutely. I hate clowns, so therefore I can't play this game. <laughs> <laughs> Sam has the oh, final Sam. word. <laughs> what if you play the game in which you got to kill clowns? Don't like clowns not playing. But they're trying to murder you with their evil throwing knives and their red noses. That's just scary. <laughs> Sam, if the circus ever comes to town, you're going to be in trouble. That's why I avoid it when it comes to town. I can't show you pictures of my bedroom. I have clowns in my bedroom. Oh, jeez. And at night before Glenn goes to bed, he puts on his special face paint and his special red nose and big shirt. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, okay. So what about the points we made about, you know, about the sound, but the art design and the platforming? What would you think about all that with Portrait of Ruin? Phil. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not as good at Mike as far as picking out the music. And, and part of my problem is most of the time when I'm playing with the DS, I don't have a, a headset handy. I usually have the sound, you know, it's hard to hear it or it's turned down or I'm in the middle of something busy like, sh you know, shopping or something. So I'm not a big commenter on the, the sound. You play the DS while shopping? I, like, I, I want some bread. Oh, wheat bread. Oh, sh Amber stand. Like, I have to kill this guy. Like yeah, that. that's that's pretty much what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so No, I just pretty much kind of push the cart with my body weight while I'm leaning over on the cart playing my DS and people are looking at the middle-aged bearded man playing on his DS like a five-year-old kid through the grocery store. So. You're like an angsty 15-year-old kid. You sit in the van and play video games and you make your wife or your mom, you know, go do all the shopping. No, no. I'm man enough to at least get out of the car and push the cart around as long as I can hold on to my DS while I'm doing so. so okay, important. so so you already kind of said so you, you agreed so with So how do you, you grab with... the groceries then? 
If no, you, she grabs and puts him in a cart. I just pushed a cart around. I'm on cart oh, duty. Oh. This is why you couldn't play Dawn of Sorrow. You couldn't draw the stylus while grocery shopping <laughs> while holding a DS. <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually pretty – that's funny. Yeah, that's true, actually. That would be kind of hard. Yeah, stylus games are kind of out, period, but much less one that uses the controllers for the most part. And then you're whipping out the pin, and, and yeah, for the few boss battles I did, that wasn't exactly fun. But, you know, as Glenn said, it's something that you just – okay, it – it's it's one of those things that you kind of take with the whole package and and the, the the good parts outweigh the bad parts. I mean by far. So I mean it's something I might knock it you know knock it on a you know put a negative on a review for or maybe even knock it a half point for. But it's kind of like whatever Ecclesia to me a nail you nails across the chalkboard of those darn hidden walls that you have to find and they're required. Uh, and granted that's a staple in every Castlevania. It, to me it was irritating as hell. I've noted in my review, but I still love the game and gave it a good review. So. So so where would did you beat Portrait of Ruin? Yes. Oh yeah. So where yeah. would you put it in the list of entirety of Castlevanias? And what do you think about our talk about it being more like the older ones, whereas I think it's worse and Manny thinks it's better, as opposed to being like um Well now y'all are talking about Port I never thought it was better. I thought it was a good Castlevania game. Okay. And I thought it was fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't feel as deep, you know, kind of, in a way it feels, to me, it felt more like a pushback to the platformy when it didn't, ha I mean, there were the RPG elements, but there weren't as many, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of, see both sides of the argument, it doesn't feel as deep, it feels more platformy and action, you're switching between the characters a lot to get to this point or that point, it feels like Mario and Luigi, you know, just like you said, I can see, I can see that, and I, I can enjoy it for that. I mean, I, 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 I can enjoy it for that. If I had to pick between the two, I will lean a little bit more towards uh, – I don't know if I want to take sides on this. I might get beat up after the show. But I would lean a little bit more towards Dawn of Sorrow. I just I, – I, the gameplay felt a little more solid, and I and personally, I like the, the art direction a little bit more better. It just felt more – I don't more know what I'm looking for. More better is so, yeah. so you more lean better. more towards the one that you didn't play very much. I didn't play either one of them very much. I played each one for like two to Wait, four hours. I thought you, said you finished beat Portrait of Ruin. Order of Ecclesia. Oh, I asked you if you beat Portrait of Ruin, and you said yes. Uh, sorry, I got a little confused. <laughs> that happens a lot. Um, <laughs> Just say a cat hopped on your lap. That's what Chris does. Yeah, actually, they're, it's actually pretty funny. She is in my lap. She's purring, and she's drooling on me. So... Why would your wife well, do that? Put that wet pussy down <laughs> and join the podcast. But the pussy likes me, and she doesn't want to get down. And if I put her down, she will start crying, and you guys will hear it through the microphone. Oh, Are we, we talking about dog. your wife or your cat? I am so confused. <laughs> we had a dog we had to put down, and we never saw him again. <laughs> So, Castlevania. Let's talk... Let's, Order of Ecclesia, isn't it? Order of Ecclesia. Wow, what a great name. What about that game? Uh, this one is the one that uh, reverted to lots of smaller levels for a while until you finally, if you get the real ending, go into Dracula's castle for the second this half. This was the strange, unholy union between Portrait of Ruin and Dawn of Sorrow that no one saw coming. And you complained too much. I mean, it, sort of they answered all the complaints. They got your complaints, Glenn. It's not deep enough. It's not deep enough. Glyph mm -hmm. system. And they, they heard us. They're like, yeah, those little levels were fun. So they gave us a whole, a, um, a whole map like a Simon's Quest, right? I think anyone so has ever said that game. Simon's Quest is one of the best. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the map. The, the map system where you're running around place to place. I, I, I never played Simon's Quest is why I'm being silent and awkward. Yeah, right. yeah. Hey, Phil, you did. Oh yeah, yeah no, I, he's absolutely right. It, it, it Simon's Quest uh, Castlevania Two on the Nintendo was the first one to really introduce 
uh, role-playing elements of the sort. You talk to people, you, you got items. It, it really didn't work. Did you want to well. do a side uh, conversation about a side rant about how horrible that game is? Just you? <laughs> no, you, you, you know, need to. We can just put the angry video game nerds rant on. <laughs> yeah, really. Just go type in Google "angry video game nerd Castlevania 2 or Simon's Quest. Have a nice day. Um, he, he does it a lot better than I ever would. But you know, no, I, I you know, but it was really cool. I mean, back in the days, I was I was younger and I I, I wasn't as cranky. So so I, you know, I didn't quite get as. That's because you weren't as, married yet. Yeah, I wasn't quite as angry as the angry video game nerd back in the days. But I really, you know, kind of surprised me after playing the first Castlevania. You got the second one, and you're talking to people, and there, there's experience points and and whatnot. To me, that was actually kind of fascinating. I just ended up hitting a brick wall, wasn't able to go any further, and ended up giving up on it. Unfortunately, I didn't have the Nintendo power to tell me how to get through some of the. Uh, asinine puzzles in that game and whatnot. Is it because you were poor? Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so and, how does it compare with Order of Ecclesia? But but yes, you know, Order of Ecclesia felt to me like Simon's Quest finally, you know, done right. You did have that hub city still where you talked to the people. Uh, they kind of gave you some direction. You could also buy and swap and sell and whatever from the people. And, and so it had that central town that that Simon's Quest has. And and like Simon's Quest, you'd go off into other areas and and whatnot. But it just it really the first thing when I when I got to the town and, and started playing through some of the areas, I was like, wow, this is Simon's, Simon's Quest 2 all over again. Oh, that reminds me, uh, here, I, I'm, I'm reading the Castlevania wiki, and it says right here under reception, Shane Bettenhausen on the August 15, 2008, One Up Years podcast raved about his hands-on experience with the game. It's maybe the best Castlevania ever, and called it a cross between Symphony of the Night and Simon's Quest, noting the high difficulty level. So there you go. It's a lot of quote. I've, I've seen that quoted before, the Shane Bettenhausen Order of Ecclesia preview where he like he must have been the biggest rave of any reviewer doing anything for this game. I would just it's because you guys are looking at me like giving me these blank stares about Simon's Quest and oh only because I don't know Simon's Quest not because you're cuckoo. Uh, cuckoo for cuckoo. Again, I generally avoid terrible games and I've never heard a, a single thing you know not horribly insulting about Simon's Quest. Uh, and you know the, the the big enemies, yeah, were were definitely uh, tough the first few times. You're trying to figure out their patterns or whatnot. They were kind of pattern heavy and and whatever have you. And I will admit on one particular boss, I can't remember which one it was now, but I did go online and watch a YouTube video after you know getting my butt kicked three or four times. I What's went the crab? online to see what uh, my was it. I thought you had trouble with the water boss, or was that Mike? Some water yeah. chick. There's some boss one YouTube said was, was tough that I didn't have much trouble with. Wasn't it a big, huge horse that took up like four screens? It was like a oh, there was a big yeah, there was a big horse. That boss was hard. Yeah, that was the one I watched the video on because I couldn't Start figure out how to finish it. it. Then you, get to, you get to beat it up a lot, and then you crawl mm. under its legs, and then you mm. beat it up some more, and then you beat hop on its back, more. and then it kicks you off, and you start all over <laughs> again. <laughs> Did everyone beat this game out of curiosity? Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I'm the only one who hasn't beat it. Uh, oh. I think I had I did have some trouble with the crab. I eventually got it though. Then the boss that's after the crab is so pathetically easy. That was the only boss that I got. The medal you get if you take out a boss without taking a hit. <laughs> um, <laughs> then the fish boss that dives through the earth. For some that reason, that was I, the one I think that you. There was one that you complained about that I didn't think was that hard. Maybe it was that one. I thought it had to do with water. It was either the water chick or a fish or something. Yeah, the one who summons the waves at you. That one, Yeah, I got the pattern pretty fast. It was just a, a problem of me being stupid and uh, needing to get under the the escarpments of earth that block the water. I'm trying to remember 
yeah, I, once I got the pattern down and remembered to stop hitting her and to go hide, that one wasn't a problem for me. <laughs> you know, we're so, so bad at so this. So wait, these three, Mike. Oh, go ahead, Manny. I was just say once again, we didn't talk about the initial setup and what you're actually doing in this game and what makes it different from the other ones. We just go straight cool. into, that boss was hard. I know, dude, right? <laughs> go ahead, Manny. We'll set it up for us, Manny. <laughs> okay, so basically, this one takes place sometime after Sunday the Night, and you play uh, a female protagonist. That hasn't happened in a long... Has it ever happened? In a Castlevania game, uh, there, you get to play... There up. was one on the original Game Boy, but apparently Konami rendered that non-canon, so... There you go. This is the first one where you have a female protagonist. Her name is Shanoa, and she works for like this Order of Ecclesia. And what makes her special is that instead of collecting souls or uh, using various weapons, she uh, absorbs glyphs into her back, and then she can equip two different, like well, at least like four different glyphs, one for each hand, and then uh, a sub. It's basically like the I soul system, but with a little bit more very uh, flexibility, right? Yeah. yeah, there's one on each arm and one on the back that she. Well, it's a little oh, less L flexibility, but it's it's close to the soul system. I think soul system you less. can put four, and then you can you can put four in the soul system, and you can doppelganger it to have eight. She could equip three and switch between to get three more. I think so it was close. four because you had one passive skill, and then you had one L button skill, and then you had one for like your X attack and your Y attack. And I, th I was saying it has a little bit more flexibility because when you clip a soul, no, the the passive skill and the L skill use the same slot. You had one for each attack, and then you had one ah, other one. you're right, you're right, you're right. So it is. Three. I, I just but, I just played the game like two months ago. I'm so yeah, I should know this. I'm playing through it right now. <laughs> but I think the flexibility comes from the fact that um. That you you can eat quickly. You push X, you throw out like a spear attack. You push Y, you have like a hammer attack, and you could vary that up in, like an infinite number of ways. And you can just sort of really customize how you want to attack, the speed, the range, um, sort of uh, the weakness that you want to inflict on the enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. so sort of my thoughts. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought it was an I thought it was a good mix of what they did in Portrait of Ruin and Dawn of Dawn of Sorrow. Uh, I'm with you. I, I I like the customizability in this. I like the way that it was based more on your attacks because, uh, you know, in in the Dawn of Sorrow game and in Area of Sorrow, it was more like what magic and what passive skill you were using. But with uh, with Shinoa, you know, it was your attacks. It was like what weapon you're using was what was the skills that you flip between. And then you know, <laughs> at the end, I think I think you could switch between three by the end, so you could you know. Oh, customize that's right. Three. Yeah, I said two earlier. But I was wrong. You had uh, like a. Well, like your uh, your two hand skill, like I guess your two hand glyphs. You can uh, uh, you have an A, you can have an A set, a B set, and a C set, and you can switch right. between those sets on the fly. So you can yep. have like, all right, here's my, uh, here's the, I need magic skills. Quickly switch to C, and you can use all your magic skills. Then you see an enemy that you can only beat with a hammer. Switch to your B set, so for impact weapons and that kind of stuff. Yep, and and they different. I don't think the other Castlevania games did it, but they differentiated between different weapon types so like and there were some that you had to use striking weapons and there were some that you really needed to use strike and then there were some that you know you would have to use magic so I mean that was the three builds that I assume they wanted you to do that was the way I played it was one was the oh, magic yeah. build you know one was piercing or strike or, you know whatever they, one for each one but you know it was also neat because then you could combine the two skills into a special attack and depending oh, on yeah, what those skills push, were like Sometimes it would make this crappy abomination attack that didn't do much. But yeah, if like you, a little like, poop of smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you had two hammers equipped, you'd be like a giant hammer. And there were some that if you had a magic and a weapon equipped, 
made some uh, some neat combinations there and kind of like really oh, yeah. encourage you to test that out. So yeah, I, I really like the customizing in this. The controls I never got extremely used to flipping between the sets. Something about it felt a touch off. Oh, that's I, I, I agree one. Yeah, I had to think first before doing it. It never felt natural. But that was the only gripe I had with the controls of this game. So I, I like I the way like you that. did something in between. I did like the fact that each button, like the two main attack buttons, controlled one arm. And so yeah. I always knew, like, all right, that one always felt natural and always felt swell. I already knew which hand I needed to hit someone over the head with. Like, I just mapped the one that, like, an overhand swing to the top button. And, like, and then the there was strategy to the timing where you couldn't just, you know, mash the attacks. So if you had an, a quick button, like her rapiers, you could just go back and forth really quick. But a hammer, if you did that, it would slow you down. You had to, like, time each press to go back and forth like a combo. Plus, if you try to hit things without taking any sort of break at all, you'll eventually run out of magic points because each attack does use little magic <laughs> oh, points. That was they horrible they against do bosses. charge quickly, though. Yeah, but against bosses, that was a real pain when you're just attacking nonstop. So what did you guys think of actually obtaining glyphs? Because it seemed like it was much harder than uh, obtaining souls. Well, it was well like you had to get a, a spare moment with nothing hitting you for in order to obtain them. That was... It actually takes a little bit to absorb a soul. It actually takes like at least a good five seconds. And in a Castlevania game, that's like life and death. <laughs> yeah. It was true. neat because usually what I would do is I would see a glyph and then not get it in time. And then, okay, now I know that enemy might you know drop a glyph. And then the next time it happened, I would keep an eye out for it. And you know, you know, it, you know it's kind of I like games that try to make you like be greedy. Like you'll see a glyph, and you know you don't have to, too long to grab it. And there's like bats coming at you. And you're like, oh, do I have time to run to the other side of the screen, soak up the glyph before the bats hit me? And I, I thought it was neat. And no, the most interesting is that you. I'll say, I was there aren't say that was, many glyphs uh, that were randomized. Most of them oh, were set times, so it's a difference with the soul where the souls are really random, which I did like. But it, just for change of pace purposes, it was nice that most of the glyphs in the game were in set places, or you could see them. You know, it wasn't like an enemy had a 1% chance of dropping an amazing glyph. You know, maybe an enemy had a 10% chance of dropping a so-so glyph, you know. Or so even better when you are fighting magic enemies is uh, you, you have to sort of like this pro-con. All right, if I sit here and I try to absorb it, you actually actually steal, like, uh, glyphs from magic users while they were using them on yeah. you. Yeah, so yeah, you have to sit cool. there and think. It's like, all right, if enemy... I don't get hit... I can steal his powerful magic spell, but if I get hit or I don't time it right, he's going to hit me in the face with this and I'm going to die. There was so, one was... enemy late in the game that attacks you with magic, and I probably killed 20 or 30 of them and never realized you could suck up his magic. And then sometime it, like, it occurred to me, and I was like, eh, I tried it, and you could. And of course, by then it was terrible because I'd been fighting this enemy for a long time. But yeah, like, I like that too. It made you kind of think outside, it made you think differently while you were playing it, because you would try to see, like, you know, can I steal this crap from him while he's in the middle of, you know, while he's in the middle of casting a spell to kill me, can I suck up the spell really quick before I get hit? And, you know, usually you could. It was, uh, it was neat. As far as the design goes, I don't need to rant. You, it's probably predictable. I didn't like the opening separate stages as much, with, again, even worse than Portrait Ruin, just in terms of them being straight lines. A lot of the stages were just like a field, and it would only be three screens long. But it was hard. Okay. I and you, like, yeah, and there were several times I had to stop and level grind because I would reach a field, and that field would only have like five enemies in it, but you couldn't really get around them, and I wasn't nearly strong enough to fight them. So I had to stop. Probably the only Castlevania I've ever played where I had to literally stop and level grind. Like in um in the Sorrow games, I might have had to stop and get better souls, but just just gain levels so my stats were better and then I could pass the field. And, like the first maybe four or five hours. I was not a big fan of Order of Ecclesia, and it eventually did grow on me once your once your options got better, and I felt the customizing, and then the castle opens up. But yeah, I had a major issue with the kind of 
bad version. You know, at least Manny Portrait of Ruin did have that neat design and uniqueness from place to place. In Order of Ecclesia, it was like a brown field or a green field or a mountain that field or a lake field. And I didn't like that well, as much. You know, but This is supposed to be the gritty return of Castlevania, more serious and dark. I mean, just given the just look at the art style in the opening sequence. It's uh, Ayami Kojima's yeah. back. They have a more like somber, depressing music. Even like – and. Uh, even your town that you first go to, like your hub town, is kind of a depressing, sad place until you rescue oh, right. everyone. It's empty. Like everyone dies. <laughs> so like, yeah, the town is this empty nothingness. Yeah. So you have to one go. Re- about, well, that was one interesting. Thing about the visuals here is that Konami redrew almost every sprite in the game. If you look closely, they don't look exactly like no, anything. No, I noticed else that, and that, that was. A you know, the enemy design is, I think, is probably the best I've seen since. I don't even know how long it's. They actually did a lot of care into drawing these enemies. And yeah, except for Death and Dracula, which you kind of have to expect with this territory, every boss is something you've never fought in a Castlevania game before. There's no well, legion. Was, was actually, you were talking about the bosses. So how did you think the bosses in this game compared to the other two on the DS? Noticeably easier or harder or what? Much harder. Every, this whole game was just known as <laughs> Good. No, I'm glad to hear you say that. that, that that's why I asked. I thought the bosses I mean, Portrait of Ruin was easy. So hard. It was, e- it was like, supposed to be like an easy, quick little romp. You know? Well, sort of, it was experience. But this one sort of like kicked you in the balls a couple times. But you're going to come yeah, back for more. These bosses hit really hard, and they take a long time to go down. So you're going to – even if you know the pattern, you're going to be there for a while hoping you don't get hit. Yeah. I had a really hard time with death. There was a shadow boss that I had a really hard time against. The horse boss Phil was talking about gave me a really hard time. You Just don't a lot I realize? Of memorable tough boss fights in this game. I realize it is why they. I mean, with the first Castlevania game, they changed the art style and they did a lot of things to sort of attract a new audience on the DS. You know, hey, we have touchscreen controls. Hey, we have a new anime art style. Come check it out. And the other one, they said, okay, we'll turn, we'll we'll make it a little. We'll make the same kind of difficulty level and we'll turn back. You know, you know what I mean. But but by the third one, they finally realized. That okay, the only people buying these games are hardcore Castlevania fans. Let's give them what they've been begging us for, and they've been complaining about for the last two games: something hardcore, something dark and gritty, something with the art style that they love. And they gave us a game that was maybe too hard at times. So is that your main bosses, Glenn Manny? Did either of you have the problems I did with that guy who fights you with his shadow in front of the candles? I said shadow guy was a tough fight. I thought you did, but I, I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, that was a tough fight. I think I ended up making a really weird special build just for him. Like, like it was something. I almost felt like I was cheating. Uh, oh, I know you couldn't hit him up close. You had to use. I was using magic from a distance, and it wasn't doing much damage. It was. Yeah, it was a tough fight. What about and then you, when man? he gets one thing with Order of Ecclesia was when bosses got low on health, they changed their strategy to something horrible that would almost always kill you the first time. So it was like you couldn't beat bosses in the first try. Except Wall Man, I got Wall Man on my first try. <laughs> Remember that little oh, Joker yeah. keeps popping out of the holes? Oh doesn't... yeah, yeah. That that was a neat thinking out. He wasn't a real boss. He had the yeah. boss music. I'm calling him a boss because eventually, <laughs> what did I have to do? I had to I had to absorb his glyph. I think that was how I killed him. Yeah, and he kills himself. It's a joke. Yeah. You're right. I killed Wallman on the first time too. <laughs> Dracula was pretty hard though. It took me several tries to finally get to the point where he shows you his real power, and then, of course, he kills you even more. <laughs> <laughs> That's his real power. I think I had a harder time with death, but, yeah, Dracula was no joke. And they went outside guys the using... box. Of... Hmm? Go ahead. I was going to ask, would you guys, um, at this point, would you guys still actively level grinding and, like, stocking up on potions? No. My main problem with level grinding came in the first section of the game. 
not not the last not Dracula's Castle. I mean, I it was hard. I died a lot in Dracula's Castle, but uh, I didn't really have to stop and level grind much. It was more getting better at the game. What did you guys think about the castle design itself? Once you once you got through the Simon's Quest two areas mm. and you got into Dracula's Castle, how did that compare with the other castles in the DS series? Well, there isn't one in Fortress of Ruin, really. <laughs> I thought it was okay. I liked it. I mean, it was a little mini castle. It was fine. It was a nice. It was a great. It made it. It made me appreciate even more what I already love about the Castlevania series when it finally gave me a castle and took away those stupid little levels. I agree completely. <laughs> By the time I got to the castle, I was sick of those little levels, and finally I got to explore, to run around a lot, to see things that weren't necessarily on the beaten path instead of going off on a straight line. Die a lot. You know, I remember one time I got so, so happy to found a though. shortcut in the castle, and then I died every time I took the shortcut because I had some enemy in it that kept killing me. So what's interesting though is that we said that they combined this, they combined Portrait Ruin and Dawn of Sorrow, but they took the worst part of Portrait Ruin, which was just you know just a little level. That, that, but they sort of missed what made those those little levels so nice in the first game was that how varied it was and how thematic it was and just how much there was actually do once you got inside them, not brown straight lines like you guys said. So so Manny, oh. you liked Portrait of Ruin more than Order of Ecclesia so far. Um, no, uh, no, no, no. I didn't that's say not that. true. So Order of Ecclesia, you think is the is the better is the best DS Castlevania? I it, it's weird. I I started playing Order of Ecclesia just this year. I, I, I don't know. It's I, July. I don't know <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't understand. But you make it sound like I. I <laughs> when you say just this year, I guess it sounds like you started two weeks ago. But you could have started it seven months ago. <laughs> oh, anyway, all right, I, should say, I just started this game two months ago. Okay. <laughs> Literally, like two months ago, and then E3 came along, and I couldn't, I couldn't. Uh, that sort of slowed me down. But all the same, it's just, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just burned down in Castlevania for a little while. You in the game, you might have to plug your ears when Phil goes into a rant in a few minutes. <laughs> I'm about, I'm like uh, halfway through more. Are you in the castle yet? About, just about. Oh, you might have to okay, cover so your ears. Okay, you've got to fight um, Albus, and then you've got to fight. Uh... What's his face? The guy in charge of the order. Um, Wait, you have to fight him, you bastard! I spoiled the Castlevania plot for you. That's what we do here on Backtrack. Good job, Mike. I take great pride in being able to spoil a Castlevania plot. I didn't know that was still possible. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, backtrack. if he hasn't finished, obviously he hasn't done those bosses yet. If he hasn't reached the castle yet. Uh, I thought like it was going to be a lot of fun, right, Glenn? I. I... Yeah, well, I mean, not to slightly change the other, but to go back to what you were talking about as far as far as the beginning areas and whatnot. Yes, there were definitely some areas that I'm going through, and I'm like, gosh, there's some recycled graphics going on here, or this looks kind of bland. You know, I, I definitely saw that, especially I want to say towards the towards the the second half of them. But some of those. Some of those boards were pretty. I don't know. I really enjoyed them. Like the sea, like the one with the where the sea is crashing. You're jumping on the flotilla, and then you go underneath the ocean. But I was really enjoying the 2D graphics on that. I mean, some of those were were just really, really impressive. And then, of course, later on when you get to the castle, the level of detail is also pretty impressive. I mean, Castlevania games have always looked good in that respect. But Order of Ecclesia, in some of those areas, just really, really jumped out at me. It so was... Phil, would would you call this the best looking DS game? No. What I called 
Do you know why I ask? <laughs> yeah, because you like to argue with me about the five out of five, and I don't dis. I don't think that giving something a five means that it's the absolute best on that on that system. I think five out of five means it it significantly, very very significantly contributes to the overall gaming experience. So, and so that's to me it, for Mike Mandy, and I think I've already told Sam is that this was. Is, our, is this, this another Apple review. protocol argument? Um, yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Stop him now. This Stop isn't the protocol at all. No, I was gonna say is Phil. This is the first game you reviewed, right? Order of This is the first game I reviewed, and Gl- and Glenn was one proofing my review. I had given the graphics five out of five, and Glenn felt that you know with the text in my review or whatever have you that it just should have gotten a four out of five, and I just capitulated. New guy on the team, and I wasn't gonna argue with them over a point, so I, I changed it to a four out of five. I I still think it's a five out of five. I, I honestly haven't really run into another game that, I mean, even if it wasn't the best, if it's in the top 10% as far as graphics go, contributing to the game experience. When I was playing Order of Eclipse, I'm like, dang, these graphics look good. I just, and not only just man, the graphics, I was, the animations with the, the, with animations, the animations. animations, yeah, the animations, 2D graphics really combined together. I mean, I'd much rather look at that any day than, let's say, Final Fantasy IV's Polygons. I just, I was like, dang, now this is the way, a, a, you know, a game, this this type of game should look like. I, I, to me, this is the biggest argument. To me, that was the biggest argument of why Castlevania should stay 2D and not be ever go to 3D because every 3D Castlevania I played looks like. You know, crap! Ola compared. This is beautiful. This yeah, is gorgeous. it definitely it definitely needs to keep working as a two D platformer. I don't think that you know, unless you can pull a Metroid Prime, there's no reason to take it into three D. Yeah, graphics. aside from the gameplay. Yeah, aside from the game. Oh. I mean, absolutely, there's gameplay considerations. But I mean, just from a graphical standpoint, I just really felt pulled into the experience on most of those boards. But there were some, definitely some boards that were, especially some of the small areas in the second half. Like I said, where I was like, okay, this is this is looking repetitious. I, this just looks like a palette swap or a color swap. They got a little lazy here on this area or whatnot, but on other ones it's like, dang, look at all the animation going on, it's beautiful, it really flows together well from an artistic standpoint as well as a technical standpoint. I I was pretty taken by it. Now, oh, I, and Glenn, they're not, he's not gonna, they don't need to pull a Metroid Prime, they need to pull a God of War. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I, thought, well, I thought the game looked good, and I, and I, I like what uh, I guess Mike Romain was saying earlier. I, I noticed that everything was redrawn and everything was really well detailed. I, I agree with all that. For your specific review, what I had said was it was your first review, and I thought for your first review ever to give a 2D DS game the highest visual score might be a bit of a shoehorn for you in future reviews if you're trying to be consistent. That that was why I think they had you change it to a 4, because yeah. now it's like any game that looks better than Order of Ecclesia, you know. Of course, if two years have oh, passed, you still feel that way, then you're fine. You but. know, I don't. I don't think. I, I think that you can have. I think you can. You know, if I have a hundred DS games, I think the top five or six of those games and graphics should get a five. You know, I mean, yeah, they're contributing. No, I, I agree with that. So, I, that. I just I, said it for your first review, giving a highest score to a two D DS game. So, uh, <laughs> no, and, and Phil, you had said you know the same thing we were talking earlier with the fields and stuff just being really uninspired until you hit the castle. It, you're right that the graphics are great and the monsters are great, but the overall design is kind of lazy in this game. In, in some of the especially areas, especially in the first thir- in the first half. I, I thought the first half was really good. Like the like I said, the ocean thingy blew me away. A couple of the areas blew me away, but then when I started getting to the second half of the uh, of the little oh. worlds, oh, okay. I started seeing some repetition when I got okay, to the second yeah. half. And you, you know, I agree with you because at first, before it starts repeating, it, it seems okay. And then when you yeah. reach the third mansion, and the third mansion looks a lot like a palette swapped first and second mansion, and there's yeah, oh, yeah, oh, then it's 
early in the game, there's a jail you go into, and there's like that spotlight scene where you're trying to avoid the spotlights, or a super overleveled from deep in the game enemy comes out and kills you. You know, like they did some neat things with the visuals in it, but for the most part, it felt very uninspired from a design perspective, especially Glenn, compared to the first. Is two. it perhaps because they spent so much time focusing on the great 2D mechanics similar to Castlevania 3? <laughs> no, different teams. <laughs> um, uh, I I I felt that the castle was was good, but I I after playing some of the other games in the series over the years, I I felt like it was short, and maybe they made it short because they put all these small areas. I honestly think for the third offering on the DS, it would have been nice on top of the little areas to give us a full blown castle on top of it. I, I I didn't I didn't feel like it was a great trade to trade off making the castle smaller and. And, and in my opinion, a little bit less exciting to right. get. It, it was drabber. It had some neat effects, like the candles of the shadows was a neat effect mm-hmm, in that place. Mm-hmm. And there's somewhere I think it's like a library, and you walk through, and all the the leaves from the books you're walking on top of float up. It had nice effects, and it was a pretty game. I just instead of, you know, most of the castle was still you know stone walls that looked really uninspired. Whereas you know Castlevania castles usually have the different themes and segments in them and provide you something new visually from section to section. And you know Order of Ecclesia didn't do that, so it was kind of like you had the the quality of the graphics was there and it was missing the art design as opposed to Portrait of Ruin for me. Just you know it had such a great art design. You know I wish they could have taken some of the ideas from Portrait of Ruin's creativity with its art design and brought that into Ecclesia somewhere with the graphic upgrade. Okay. Well, I think we pretty much covered all three of these guys really, really good. And a normal... thing about Ecclesia that I liked, how at the very end of the game, you get a glyph that allows you to fly. And I don't recall... Oh, yeah. Anything. That was neat. And then I tried to take the one optional area, uh, whatever it's called... And I flew through the entire thing and dodged every hit until I got to one room at the very bottom and promptly took a hit and died. So that was my story <laughs> of how unwise it is to try and fly and not take hits. Because you're so, not very so, here. Manny, I did have another question for you. You said that you thought Order of Ecclesia was better than Portrait of Ruin, but you've only played through the part of Order of Ecclesia that we all seem to not like as much. So are you saying that because you expect it to get better, or do you think the first half is that solid that you'd put it over Portrait of Ruin? Um... This time, just the setup, because I mean, well, you've seen what Shinoa can do. That doesn't really change. Well, yeah, like that. The core mechanics of what you do with Shinoa just feels tighter, and it feels like a more, a more rewarding experience. The more time I put into it, I, I mean, that's not to say that Portrait Ruins a bad game by any stretch of imagination. I think it's a very different kind right. of Castlevania. Okay. And but this you're one going just, to recommend just based off the mechanics. If you're going to recommend one to someone, it would be Order of Ecclesia. Then, um, I don't know. Does the difficulty take you down a notch? <laughs> I, I might recommend Don Osano to them, honestly. Okay. As long, Just, as long as you make sure they don't despise anime pictures. Such a deep... Hatred. Oh, just... oh, just sort of like the touch, like you said, having to have the stylus in your mouth. That, that's the thing I would bring up. <laughs> <laughs> that was one boss, but yeah, it had to be in the mouth. You know, it, it depends on their level of expertise, because I feel like if you're already in the know about Order of Ecclesia, you probably already played it or have it by this point. So, like, the, the only people left over is, I guess, someone who's been playing Metroids and never tried a like, hardcore Castlevania before. I maybe recommend it to them. It's, I don't know. If you've never played a Castlevania game before, this is not the one to jump in with. I would agree with that. Because of the difficulty or because of the way it, it builds upon the past ones? Uh, both, honestly. Okay. I agree with you. Hey, hey Glenn. 
I just remembered Phil hasn't talked to us about how awesome it is that in order to get to the second half, you need to find all the villagers. Right. We haven't heard his rant. <laughs> I want to hear uh, this. Go for it. What's, what happens in Fight Club stays in Fight Club. No, 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 come on, come on, come on. A little bit, just a tiny little bit. You've been no, too I mean, quiet. This is your only gripe with the game, and you haven't really covered yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just think it's funny. You it makes know, you sound it, like a terrible gamer, but go. It, it, it does. Um, no. Well, because Bill, have you tried sucking. Lemon? Let me, let me provide a little back. <laughs> let me provide a little backdrop for for our audience here. In the RPG staff channel, especially when I'm bored, and I have nothing better to do with my time. Rather, you know, I could be playing, you know, probably Portrait of Ruin or something, you know. But instead, I'd rather pick on you guys. I like to go off on long rants about things that that irritate me. A little bit this is one of those things but i go off and on and on. people argue with me which only gives me fuel to keep making more and more points about it and uh, and so you guys think i'm a big rant when really i'm just so many you know. he gives a big intro to his rant but not to order of ecclesia <laughs> that's what i got manny that's for manny does the intro i'll say the rant <laughs> now the rant the rant is i went through yeah, yeah in order to get the when you get to the guy in the middle, the mid boss, whatever his name was, um, that if you got you got to when you beat him, if you didn't rescue all of the villagers in the first half of the game, um, you get an ending right there, and it's not a great ending, and you don't oh, get to man, go to Dracula's hard. castle. Does it at least give you a clue that that's what you need to do afterward? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Nope, no, it doesn't. Um, not afterward. It flashed. It flashed a couple of screens, which oh. had nothing to do with villagers, except for the fact that. I didn't see any villagers when it flashed the screens on this. Okay, so here's what there. happened: was they killed a, you killed a boss and got the bad. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Glenn. Whose story is this? Thank you. <laughs> and it's so images of so villagers as I was saying. No, I did not see any villagers trapped on those images. But that isn't even the point. Even if I knew, even if I had put the you know two and two together, so okay, there's still some villagers that need to be rescued in order for me to get the good ending. I. I I couldn't so figure far, out exactly. Your mistakes have been not being able to put two and two together and not looking at the screen after you killed the boss. No, my mistake will be if I don't replace you with Shirley's voice when I edit this. Now, <laughs> as I was saying, we <laughs> all hate hate. What what bothered me was that I had gone through the entire first half of the game, and and being a Castlevania game, you get into the habit of trying to hit your hit walls with whatever weapons you're going through and to find hidden things and whatever have you and I had gone through I had picked up the light lightning at some point from some mages and I really liked playing with lightning especially when I was in the water I'm just sitting there zapping everything with lightning it was fun for kicks and giggles the thing I didn't notice was that once I started wielding lightning it didn't destroy any of the walls lightning does not destroy walls unless you are so on top of it it's not even funny so even though it covers half the screen and stuff and you think it would shatter every wall in the room it really doesn't do anything to walls it does great for enemies does nothing for walls so i did i after i couldn't after i got to that boss in the middle couldn't figure out why i couldn't proceed i read a fact found out you know there's a couple more hidden villagers and i'm sitting there going when i went back to find them and one of them was in the water level I'm like in the water level how come i didn't find this guy before i was hitting all over the walls uh, i was using light when i pulled out the lightning and tried because i was still using lightning it wasn't working it wasn't until i whipped out a sword or an axe or something that the wall came tumbling down and i rescued his, the villager so yeah it's a bit frustrating i don't think that anything hidden i don't care if they want to give you a clue in the middle or whatever have you should be required just to proceed with the game you want to you want to hide optional weapons health upgrades you know experience points whatever knock yourself right out you want to you want to hide good endings versus bad endings or whatever have you knock yourself right out requirement just to get to castle dracula's castle a little irritating Wee. not a big deal okay so here's my take aside from you crying <laughs> first is the castlevania game and the last many of them <laughs> 
have had a bad ending midway through and you're going to get the bad ending the first time and it gives you some sort of clue so you expect the bad ending and you stare at the screen and it gives uh, you a clue hold on. that that's says that's a lot of presumption you're presuming that somebody who's come to the game knows all this history but the game tells you it tells you the clue it if flashes you the boss and then you it, stare at the screen instead of Whatever it flashes do, two screens. It, it flashed two screens really fast. I don't remember seeing any villagers in those two screens. Maybe they were there. Maybe they weren't. They're in the but middle. But I don't remember two villagers. Plus, one of the two places that was hidden was to the left of the waterfall well, or whatever have you, yeah, which you don't actually. All just, all I, it I, shows you, all it shows you, is a room with the people. It doesn't show you the waterfall or anything like that. Okay, so I couldn't tell. Fact. So here's what I happened with me. Tell. I I beat I beat Albus, and then um you know I missed four villagers. And just when it flashed, I realized just from recognizing the environments where a couple of them were, I hadn't explored well. So I went through and I found three of them and knew I was still missing one. So I killed Albus again, uh, got very good at it by then. And uh, then it flashed the villager. And it's the one you're talking about. The one the waterfall is one that I think that you would never, never naturally find. I think they did that on purpose because they want you to get the bad ending. Like the other ones you could probably reasonably find. But I recognized enough from the screen it was either it was blue and i knew there were only a few areas in the game that was you know that was underwater there was the waterfall and then there were like two water levels and i'd already searched the water levels completely getting the other villagers because another one i missed was in a water level that i went straight to the waterfall right away and destroyed the wall as much as i could and found it so i mean it lets you know and i can understand it if it, if it annoys you it annoys you if you need to look at a fact because you're not a good gamer then you need to look at it a fact and that, that's why they're there <laughs> But like and if I need to edit out something because I'm a good editor, that's a whole other decision to be uh, made, isn't it? If we're going to do gripes, can you know, I do my gripes? Gave you a, the game gave you enough clues. I mean, I, I can. I I, I, I honestly think that's a subjective statement. That's no, no, a subjective me, statement. I mean, subjective. For I me, mean, I thought the game gave you enough clues. And I don't. Uh, I don't I, have enough time in my life to go f try and scratch my head and spending five to ten hours hitting on every single wall again or trying to figure out what that one screen that flashed for two seconds. Right, exactly it's a valid meant. rant, but I'm showing you how the rest of us feel. Your rant is valid for you. <laughs> I, you're annoyed. I get that. But for hey, me, I have a rant. I, 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 all I said it was. All I said it was an irritation. It wasn't like I gave the game a two out of five because of that. If it was a serious issue, I would have seriously knocked the score for it. If it was something. That that really prevented what I thought was the common gamer coming to that game from having a good time with that game. If it was, you know, if it was buggy or if it left something serious out, uh, it was a major, you know, pitfall that would just stop gamers in their tracks or whatever have you. I would have, I would have knocked the game seriously for it. it to and me, I still it was agree a minor. With you. I still agree with you. It, it was a minor. Me, it was a minor irritation in the grand scheme of things. I didn't spend That's a all. long time looking for villagers, and I didn't feel that I never got frustrated enough looking for them. Need a fact because you know you have the villagers to rescue, and I got most of them, and you don't realize until you fail that you need to find all of them and really the waterfall one is the best point i think you have that i think that's the only one that you would never find on your own and you need that image and the image wasn't really clear I mean, it could have been in a lot of different places where the wall was that color so i mean that is a valid point i can see you needing a fact for it but it just didn't get to the point where it frustrated me my, well, if I need sure. if I need if I need a fact, that to me is is a small frustration. I I don't like having to go to facts to beat my games. Well, I, think, I don't like if you're talking about having to go for a fact. Fact, there are things like the zodiac sphere in Final Fantasy XII that's like a valid pe thing people get annoyed about. But we're not and talking I get about what you're Final saying Fantasy that you don't have to find the zodiac spear to finish the game. But I mean, for me, it was. A game I played about 10 years ago, I got so frustrated I got stuck in it that if I get stuck at all now, I look at facts and it doesn't bother me. But again, that's, it, that's just it, me. It, if to I, me, if I it's a stuck in a game for more than about 10 minutes and I'm Can not Can I complain fun. about something now? Yeah. Ladies, okay. ladies.
good. I'm sorry. I just had to do that to stop this cycle of arguing between <laughs> the guys. <laughs> well, I was going to ask. So, Mike, because like, because well, you, you tend get... to get stuck in this loop, like this alpha protocol loop, where it just goes <laughs> circle, can argue for like three hours. So let's just stop right uh, here. It's Phil's rant. If I have to, if I have to, if I get stopped in a game and I have to look up a fact just to get through the game because it's a it's a stop sign, something like this. I'm not, I don't want to spend ten hours looping. knocking against the walls. How dare you? Then that then that to me that to me no that to me is a minor irritation, and that's exactly how I addressed it in my review. If if. You know, if it was any more than a, a one-minute lookup in a fact, if it's like you know, if it's like Final Fantasy four, you know, where I felt like I was really running into a brick wall or something, I might knock it more. I just I didn't think it was that big of a deal. It's only Glenn likes to make it big of a deal because he likes to pull my strings, just like he does with Chris. It's something about Glenn and host on 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 <laughs> podcast. He just likes to see how hard he can pull their chain because he loves the arguments. He loves the spotlight. He loves. He loves the I have a legitimate but, no, I'm just, I've seen you do this rant before several times on IRC, and I wanted you to do and it And apparently lot. it's not enough for you because you want to hear it some more. <laughs> we need a bigger audience. There are only like legitimate people complaint. on IRC. But the question I've tried to ask Mike twice already, but Phil won't shut up. Mike, how did you handle the villagers? Uh, I got the bad ending. Then I went back and hunted for walls that I hadn't broken. There weren't many, but there were a couple. That's how I did it. So you're on my side. Pretty much, yeah. Phil doesn't know how to play games. Yeah, all right, all right, fine, fine. There is something that is squarely this game's fault. In a game this hard, and when you die as often, and you sort of expect to die at times, why in the world does it kick you to the title screen every single time? That's almost enough for me to not want to play this game at times. You yeah, know, that why is can't they just... completely understandable issue. I mean, and... why can't they just restart you at the last checkpoint, at the last save point where you died automatically? You died. Here's your. We'll throw you back to the last place you saved. Yeah, it was kind of frustrating because it took a while to cycle back through the title screen. I, I yeah, it's like it's like five, it's like ten seconds and five button presses, and they could have just done. Well, you're doing manually what they could have done for you automatically. It just seems a like Dragon Quest so fan would tell you that's old school and it adds to the experience. But I'm with yeah, you. And I, I thought that was annoying too. Are, are wrong. <laughs> yeah, and again, the, we we have a noticeable lack of fire mist here to tell us how wrong we are. <laughs> Just, Maybe just, Dragon just, Quest Nine added the innovation that uh, of not kicking back to title screens. And it's like, I mean, call me crazy. This game has so many features. Like they wanted to put a Nintendo Wi-Fi connection. They wanted to put like little co-op missions. They did all these modern things. But like the most basic thing, what happens when you die? It just feels so primitive. I'm thinking, really, Konami? Really? Well, the main problem is that, like you said, is that you die so much in this game. It's not a big deal when you get a game over and it kicks you to a title screen, but Order of Ecclesia is hard, and you die a lot, and it's kind of that extra, you know, I get annoyed when I die, and the extra just five or six seconds that it kicks me back to a title screen is enough for me to turn off the game and do something else. But if it immediately uh, reloaded, I would, keep, I would keep playing, so I, I agree with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, like, sometimes I've said, you know what? I'm done for tonight. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. If you give me time to see, I'm going to turn you off. If you immediately reload the last <laughs> checkpoint, then, eh, you know, I can go kill uh, skeletons while I'm angry. Going and searching for hidden walls for a few hours, that's enough time for me to see. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Did anyone get all the cats? Is there a reason for me to go cat hunting in this game? I can't remember. I don't uh, think I, I found some the cats, cats by accident, but I didn't make a point of looking for every cat. Although, they do meow when you get close. That makes it easy to figure out, hey, I'm just wondering if I should spend my time going back to get the cats I missed. 
Uh, I think the, sh- the shop lady gives you something if you bring her all the cats, but I don't remember what it was, so... Uh, yeah, I don't think it's necessary. All right, then. Mike, you did go. you get into all the optional side quests? Did you do all of them? I mean, I think you're the more completionist-oriented of us. I did a few of them, and then I realized that they weren't getting me much for my effort, and I stopped, because a, lot, a whole lot of them depend upon enemies dropping things, which usually requires that you go kill them over and over and over and over again until you get the thing that you wanted, and I just said, enough. One of the first quests that you get, one of the first side quests of a villager I rescued, I didn't do until, like, the very end of the game, because it took that long for the stupid item to spawn. I tried (laughs) to do most of them. Like, I, you know, it, it has a good, it documents what enemies drop what, and a lot of times I could look in the, look in the database and you know, if if I was looking for a scale and I could see that there was one type of fish creature that had an item that hadn't dropped yet, I would kind of guess that was it. And I did a few that way and then realized it wasn't fun and then stopped. Yeah, going back and forth between screens, killing the same thing over and over again, hoping that it'll eventually drop the item you need. I got over that with Arya of Sorrow after I tried to collect and did collect every soul. It was enough. So we were talking about how Dawn of Sorrow and... Um... Portrait of Ruin unlocked extra characters and you beat the game. I don't remember Order of Ecclesia doing that, even though I just beat it a couple months ago. Is that is that right? Did, I don't what did it? Un- what was that? I don't remember that either. Although, yeah, I don't, I don't. Maybe they thought it didn't work well with the setting. Like I don't know, making you run back through all the fields again. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm just biased because I didn't like the first part of the game. Uh, you, there's an Albus mode if you complete the game, saving all oh, the villagers. Right? Yes, Albus forgot about that. I don't I don't remember this. I believe you though. I saw that it existed, I never experimented. I guess that could be interesting. These are like mostly ranged attacks, right? Yeah. Huh. I think this was a game that even though I enjoyed it, I was really happy when it was done and I could take it out of the DS and crush it with my bare hands and make it so I never play it again. <laughs> How do you really feel, Glenn? <laughs> it was hard, man. It was hard. It was it was definitely definitely. And I tough. like hard games, but it was really hard. So let's wrap this up. Let's go around and and let's say and to wrap this up. What I want you to do is tell me which of the three are you which we probably already know this, but I want you to do a sixty second sales pitch to the audience and tell them why they should go out and play that game on their DS. Let's start off with Mr. Mike. I I've pretty much already said about Portrait of Ruin what attracted me to the game. I like the dual character system. I like the level designs. I like the variety in the, of the locations you go to. I can see what Glenn is saying. Yes, many of them, many of the locations you go to aren't as uh, multifaceted as you might like, but I just really enjoyed it. I got really captured, captivated by the locations. I liked the artwork. I even liked how there's one enemy early on, I think it's in the first Victorian England stage you go to. Uh, if you fight with Jonathan, then he'll just go, die, and fight you. But if you fight him with Charlotte, then he goes, I love you, and he won't do anything while you beat the crap out of him. And that's a stupidly amusing moment, but that's something I remember very well. And it sort of symbolizes how I enjoyed it. So, yeah, there. There you go. Mr. Manny. Um, it's it's interesting. Um, I might actually recommend Portrait of Ruin 2, but for uh, different reasons. But I will say, on, on your point about there's a lot of humor in that game. That seems like the funniest of the three games. And there's uh, lots of gags like uh, pie weapons and uh, 
paper airplane weapons. It, it seemed like a game <laughs> that didn't take itself too seriously, and it was the better for it. But the reason why I would recommend it is because it's sort of in this weird place where I don't think I would recommend Dawn of Sorrow at this point because it is older, and if you didn't play Ari of Sorrow, you might not... And there might not be the story connection there that you care about or really even appreciate what as much as what's going into it. I mean, you might just like sort of the straight mechanics, but I feel like you get more out of it having played Ari of Sorrow. And then I wouldn't, if unless you're really into Castlevania, I probably wouldn't recommend Order of Ecclesia. So maybe if you just want a fun platformer with a dual mechanic, Portrait of Ruin, I would recommend. My favorite? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay, uh, Glenn. The last word is yours. What? 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 Okay. Why are you guys all laughing? Because <laughs> you're supposed to pick your favorite. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't so. know. I don't know. Honestly. Well, he has a good reason. He's only halfway through Order of Ecclesia. That's a good enough reason to not know what his favorite is yet. I would say. There you go. So yeah, so, my, my, my favorite is Dawn of Sorrow. It's my favorite Castlevania game, and I would say my second favorite is Symphony of the Night, which I think has aged really well. I played it for the first time just a few. Maybe he's four or five years ago. So uh, I like... And I guess I just want to just repeat myself. I already said it all earlier. The, the customizability, I like the castle setup. I just think it's Castlevania doing what it kind of invented in Symphony of the Night. I think the best way it ever did it was with Dawn of Sorrow. And the knock I have with Portrait of Ruin is that I thought the 2D platforming wasn't that good. I thought it was a pretty bland, uninspired game, except for the design. I liked it in concept. And Order of Ecclesia is fun, but really hard. I would, uh, so hard that it's fun, but not really fun. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of pain fun. It's a masochistic, it is a good pain kind of fun. And, would you recommend yeah, Dawn of Sorrow if uh, you haven't played Ari of Sorrow? Yeah, sure. All I didn't, right. I didn't so remember Ari of Sorrow that well when I played Dawn of Sorrow. It had been years right. between them. I mean, I played Ari of Sorrow probably in 2004, and I played Dawn in 2007. And I mean, there's a Castlevania plot. I didn't remember who any of the people were going into it. I only oh, knew it was okay. a sequel because the title was similar. And that, so yeah, Dawn of Sorrow would be my pick. And I, I agree with Manny that Order of Ecclesia is probably better if you've already played a few Castlevania games and you're okay with kind of a a tough, you know, pretty but not in the art direction sense kind of game. You know, it's... I, I guess one, I, to, to get sidetracked one last time, Mike, what would you think of the music in Order of Ecclesia? I don't think you said anything about that. Do you think Portrait Ruin is the best sounding of the three, or do you think Order beat it? I would say that narrowly. I liked, I really, really liked the music in Dracula's Castle, but the stuff before that was uh, very hit and miss with me. I liked the tune that you get in the underwater stages that has a really <clears throat> neat beat to it, but some of them were less memorable. Well, in, in Glen World, all three sounded about the same to me, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't push one or the other than that. But like, like Phil said, I might have just not been wearing a headset or had the game muted for one or all three of them. So, Phil, did you go yet? Um, now I'm gonna go ahead and actually pass the baton on to Sam. I forgot to give her a chance up to bat. <laughs> Sam, which one's your favorite? I didn't play any of them, but I like Dawn of Sorrow because Soma Cruz is a babe. <laughs> that means everyone is outvoted. There you go. Wait, wait. He was only that. a babe in the in Aria of Sorrow, not in Dawn of Sorrow. I saw the picture for Dawn of Sorrow. I like. What do you mean? It's just a typical standard anime. I have big eyes and I have white hair. You should see him in Aria. Okay. Do you want me to pick? You know, the other one with the chick because she's kind of hot too. Yes, actually, I would like Charlotte that. Charlotte or Shinoa? Shinoa. 
Snow is the babe, Candy. Charlotte looks like a little girl and nothing Snow doesn't need hats. clothes. Clothes she cover up lips. It's yeah. Okay. Okay, wait, okay, let me let me She's like a total goth babe. She's got tats, she's tough, she has a knife. Hmm. Her okay, tats I... can kick your butt. I revise my statement then. Because I like women with tats and, and hotness and boobs, so I pick that. What if they also have amnesia and they don't remember who you Ooh. are? Well, that Ooh. means you can actually date them because they they don't know how hot they are. Glenn, Glenn, <laughs> you're you're ruining this for me. You know I hate characters with amnesia. Oh, sorry. You know yeah, she's how hot she is. You can totally date her. She doesn't know. She doesn't. See, for me, if people I met got amnesia and forgot who I was, probably would help me in life. <laughs> and we keep on trying to end it, and we just keep getting sucked back in. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and take this to another country because we got to we got to get going here. Also, Mike, watch. Running away. <laughs> You're running away. See you later, Sam. Thanks for being on. Good night, all my lovelies. <laughs> See you later. We'll have to give Sam like a blow up Suma Cruz doll for suffering through our. It has to be Dawn of Sara. No, First of all, Arya Sara has a great fur coat and the most awesome boots you've ever seen. This great white cowboy boots and this great. Forget it. I'm not going to talk about this one. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike, why don't, you, uh, why don't you talk about what's our import of the week here? Well, I wanted to touch on a DS game for once since. We're talking about nothing but DS stuff. So I chose Archaic Sealed Heat, which was notorious as a Mistwalker game that didn't come over here, and after playing it for a while, I can maybe see why, because everybody... What happens when you make a game use the touchscreen for everything and give you no... and gives you no option to change that? Especially you're playing Phantom Hourglass. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you're playing uh, Puzzle Quest because that makes you. You're use playing the Elite Beat Agents too. Yeah. Let me. You're playing Otama Rama. Let me restate <laughs> the addendum: a tactical game. Uh. You're probably not that. enjoying the game at all. No, not much enjoyment. Yes. Do you like it when, in order to move the screen over, you have to? Touch it with the D- with the stylus and physically force yourself over to that part of the screen instead of using the D-pad. I don't. Mm, so do they just completely fun. disable everything, all the buttons and the D-pad? Well, it's just they do nothing? The shoulder buttons tilt your view by 90 degrees and... Because those are convenient to both hit while you're holding a stylus. I can see why they did that. Oh, yes, exactly. But all of the face buttons do nothing. The D-pad does nothing, and there's no way to change it. Now, other than that, it does have some interesting ideas. You move in groups of three. I guess that's sort of like Devil Survivor, except you have to move each person individually. And if you put one person in range of the enemy and the other people you haven't bothered to move, then they probably won't hit because they're too far away to hit anything. 
thus far, it's been remarkably inconsistent with its difficulty. I saw an enemy recently that had an instant death spell, and by the way, if your protagonist, who is Princess Aisha, dies, then you get instant game over. And lately the stages have been branching into multiple parts, so that would be really fun if I had just played for an hour and she got hit with an instant death spell and died. But, yeah, the tactical aspects aren't bad to it. They're kind of interesting. You have a variety of spells at your disposal, and they littered the battlefield with things that are supposed to make it easier, like magic point refilling items and... um, You use ability points to move around. Each character charges 40 per turn. And if you have a group of three, then you get 120 ability points per turn. Every The further you move in a turn, the more ability points it costs to move. And after under 50, you can't attack at all. But yeah. So So, so, is the terrible interface and the power of groups of three the only real innovations it tries to do on top of the Tactics Ogre formula? Pretty much. Okay. There is a story, of course. I haven't paid that much attention to it because there's no translation of it. Uh, I will say that Princess Aisha likes to look shocked and stunned and pathetic all the time, which is not making me respect her as a protagonist. <laughs> when her best friend or retainer or whatever the hell he was died, she collapsed and just started crying for a while while her friends tried to... forestall the big evil bad guy from killing her while she is collapsed on the ground. (gasps) Uh, Yeah. I gather that if I was understanding most of what's going on with uh, all of her people seeming to die in the beginning and then magically reviving and this whole (laughs) thing of... (laughs) Maybe that's why you can only touch them with a stylus. Maybe they're all ghosts and the stylus is a Ghost touching. <laughs> That's a stretch. Trying too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have a good Ghostbusters game on the DS. We could take advantage of that. Didn't Knights in the Nightmare do something like that? Like you have to guide the Wisp, and I don't think it broke the fourth wall. But wasn't there something weird about that? <laughs> I can't. I can't remember. I might just be making that up. You are. Yeah, it's late. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the interface is something I just can't get past. It's really freaking annoying to have to scroll the screen using the stylus every time you want to move more than a few spaces. Oh, and it does something even more annoying. Um, You can only move a certain number of spaces, and once you've moved that number, you can move some more, but it won't let you move that in one go. You have to move your character, then move it again after you've moved it the first time, and then do that again and again and again until you finally run out of ability points. I find that very annoying. What else? Uh, that about covers all I have experienced so far. Anything sound like it needs more explanation? Well, you make it just sound like a typical Texas game with an absolutely terrible interface. Wasn't uh, Who did the music for that? I thought one of the things I was looking forward to with this game was the composer. Is the, How does it sound? So far it hasn't sounded distinguished to me. It sounds fine. Just nothing that's particularly memorable to me yet and I'm about halfway through so if something memorable jumps out at me in the second half then I'll sound the bulletins, I'll raise the fire alarm and I'll let everybody around the world know that I finally heard something awesome There's a so does, the game have, does the game have any strengths? 
there's an interesting engage system. Most all right, you've got your leader and a couple of friends. They lead your teams, and you have a whole bunch of generic units that you just summon and equip, and they fill out your teams of three. And once your generic units have gained a few levels with you, they can engage to the leader of the unit that they gained the levels with, whereby the leader gains one skill that that unit owns. And then you have to buy another unit, but whatever, they're replaceable and only their equipment matters. So that's somewhat interesting. Oh, I forgot another aspect of the interface that sucks. Uh, the equipment screens just plain stink. I know I love it when the equipment screens stink and they're a real pain in the butt <laughs> to switch weapons around. Well, wouldn't don't you love it when the screen displays what characters can use a weapon, but not who currently has them and not whether it would be an improvement and also whether... Well, that's enough, really. Considering how recent this game is, that just sucks. I was about to say, Glenn, wouldn't Dragon Quest fans call that a a benefit? <laughs> Only if there's a legacy of it consistently doing that in the past, and now you oh. accept it as a wonderful, special attribute of a certain series. I think Arcade Sealed Heat, they know. They'd be like, this is terrible. <laughs> it's so old. Why would they do this? Maybe some of the same development team was on Blue Dragon. Wasn't that supposed to be a Dragon Quest throwback? I don't know if it was supposed... Well, in some ways, yeah. I didn't like Blue Dragon either. Okay. Well, sounds like... I'd love to have reported that this is a hidden gem which should have come out over here, but it's not. More like a hidden piece of charcoal? Yeah, except a piece of charcoal you can get a little money out of or throw in your furnace and get a little heat out of this... I I could th throw this cartridge in my grill. Won't it help, you know, get the fire going or something? If you use plastic and fine metals to start your grill, I think you're going to have some real problems, not least with breathing <laughs> that stuff in and hoping you don't die. Mm, I think it adds some extra flavor to my cooking. Well, speaking of, let's uh, let's finish cooking this bad baby up with <laughs> uh, with the last lap. give a big thanks for all the comments we have on the boards. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about Dragon Force. Uh, Mike, do you want to give us a little taste Dragon of that? Dragon Force the Rock not Yeah, because not everybody <laughs> knows what Dragon Force is. Dragon Force is an awesome tactical game on the Saturn, which of course means that it has never been on anything else except for a PlayStation 2 remake, which stayed in Japan, because Sega loves us that much. Mm. So the only way to play this in English is on the Saturn, and that means most of you haven't. 
Yeah. So, but so if you if you ever played this before, have something to contribute, please write on our boards or record a short MP3 and and email that to jcservant at rpgamer.com. We would love to hear your comments and play them on the show. Um, want to thank Mr. Glenn for being on the show and having his do voice you, replaced arbitrarily my by myself. Name? You call me Mr. Glenn. Yeah, Mr. Glenn. Do you know my last name? Well, it is on Skype, Mr. Glenn Wilson. Okay. I think I introduced <laughs> you with your last. Don't I introduce? I think you always call introduce- me Mr. Glenn. It's very strange. Yeah, well, you know. Mr. Glenn to be replaced by Shirley. Got it. <laughs> to be replaced by Mrs. Shirley. Absolutely. Mrs. Shirley. <laughs> yep. And Mandy, thanks for stopping by and lending us your voice. See, aren't you At glad I showed I'm, up? Otherwise I am would because have had full rain. Yeah, he would have had full rain, and I would have been I the only person to argue with him. But I also have your rant to kind of offset my rant, so it works pretty right. good. It, it totally helped this podcast and kept it from it just being me dishing on Fortune to Ruin for thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely right. Oh boy. Anyways, questions and comments may be written on our boards uh, and whatever have you. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast, at rpgamer.com. Mr. Mike, send us away. Dracula has been vanquished once more. Until the next time, death is waiting for all of us, even if he's not currently in the castle. Skeletons and ghouls and bats are making like it's Halloween, and when that time comes, we'll all say trick-or-treat, and hopefully we will be heard at the right time of year. Seriously, I gotta go use the little go. boys' room. Should have gone before we started. Right I'm timing you since you timed me. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I don't have the chair Actually, installed over here. In the here, middle so. of the Final Fantasy IV discussion, a coworker uh, messaged me with a bunch of work questions. So hopefully, I <laughs> muted the mic and you didn't get a bunch of typing. Uh, Sam, while I'm gone, if you can send me the link for that chair, that would be awesome. Be uh, back. So, am I playing host here? Since I haven't played either any of these. I thought you were the eye candy. 
Well, that's a given, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, if I had to have sex with you, Phil, or Mike, I'd probably pick you. <laughs> that makes me feel so special. It, it should, it should. Your type is supposed to repulse me, but I've seen pictures of Phil and Mike. <laughs> and so clearly is Mike I'm... still there, Mike? Oh, they both left, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's okay, Glenn. We have our secret love affair. It's all good. It's yeah, though, I figured you could just be the laugh track and ask questions too if you want. They, Mike asked our permission before as having you join, just in case one of us was like, hell no, keep her away from here. But <laughs> obviously that Even though... Happen. Yeah. Well, no, I just said, I'm like, I haven't really played any I've only played one Castlevania game and I was terrible yes, you at it. Symphony of the Night and you Which didn't is the, apparently it. the easiest one. You, you yeah. know the old back when the RPG cast was not as terrible, the old joke from that with Oliver? Did you listen back then? Yeah, which the whole well, uh He tried to hop remember. on their he tried to hop on their heads was the joke. <laughs> it was it was well timed, but he said something about how he thought Symphony of the Night was really hard and he kept dying and he quit and I think Oh yeah, 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 I remember that. Was on him. Sean was like were you trying to hop on their heads? Because that is not the right thing to do. <laughs> I know. I just, I don't have very good reflexes for a game like yeah, Castlevania. And, it, I mean, it also comes from the fact that, like, again, I have arthritis, so I have to be very careful Right, sometimes. let's face it, you don't play Harvest Moon games because you're great at quick action movements. No. <laughs> I like my slow tediousness. Give me that instead. <laughs> you are the, the queen of slow, games tedious not... games around here, it would seem. Except for the part where I actually review them at a, a pretty fast. That kind of terrifies me a little bit, because I did, I did both Harvest Moon games in a month. And I, I actually just assume, that you, don't, I assume you play them for about 30 minutes, say this sucks, and then write the review based on that. No, no, Glenn, I actually get credits. It's kind of scary. And then I mail the games away to Scotland, so... <laughs> we're all yeah, bad games go to die. No, no, it's... My, my my girlfriend from Scotland loves Harvest Moon when she was here for her, her week vacation when we were relaxing she would yeah, sit on the couch and play Sunshine Island like a crazy person and I then sent she my copy of Final Fantasy VIII to Scotland <laughs> could run in the fields and play with the sheep and be happy forever that's hey, what I hey. tell the sad right, part Sam? is I'm getting Final Fantasy VIII back in the mail too oh. yes I sent that back to you thanks so much for letting me play that wonderful, uh, that horrible wonderful experience I experienced something that I would never experience otherwise because I was unwilling to devote money to it. I know. Hey, why don't you come visit me in Dallas and I'll help you experience something you never experienced before. Uh, hmm. How much money would it take to get to Dallas? Oh, no, I'm not doing that. I was going to say a sleep number bed because the hotels here have sleep number beds. What were you thinking of? You don't want to know. Still something that requires me to pay to get out to Dallas and no, I'm not doing that. It's cheaper than a sleep number bed. Those are overpriced. All right, Sam. Sam? Yes. Yes? You need to evaluate how much better Dracula is as a vampire than anything in Twilight. That is... Why? Is it, because I'm, is it because I'm the only woman on here? Therefore, no, you love Twilight. You played any of these Castlevania games, so there's not much else you can do. You appeal to our teenage female audience by talking about Twilight the entire time. We'll say, how are the graphics? And you'll be like, well, the CGI Edward is bad because I rushed it for eight months, but <laughs> I love oh, that naked skaters running around all show, so awesome. Yes, you can talk about how you love to gaze at the beautiful, perfect graphics that 
bring to mind how awesome every vampire is and how you can never stop looking at their perfection and how you just want to feel their fangs sinking into your neck so that you can go, now I'm perfect too. <laughs> Most importantly, do they sparkle? Up by the werewolf. <laughs> I'm going back to my giant robots now. Giant robots no, not for the you. win. The girl in the movie gets knocked up by the werewolf, not you. Your boyfriend's <laughs> a not werewolf. Oh, goodness. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but she doesn't get knocked up till the fourth movie, right? Or, yeah, and then she has a half werewolf, Stop. half human abomination baby. It's not a werewolf. Oh, she has, her she baby. Has... Her baby imprints on her werewolf boyfriend. Right out of the womb, he wants to make it with the baby vampire. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not, the movie funny. comes out. Oh, it's gonna be lultastic. Oh, the oh the fourth one. It's making it's being two movies. That's how great. Yeah. Do we have I, I any? Heard that July Fourth gossip too. I have teenage female cousins. Um. Oh, I'm so uh, sorry. Are any of y'all real fans of no. Twilight? I'm a real fan of that guy that plays the werewolf, and that's about it. Okay, I'm just I'm <laughs> just checking. How about all of his other all of his other family members who also do not wear shirts very often? <laughs> Uh, I, my sole knowledge of Twilight comes from Burger King commercials, and they're not in the Burger King commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I know who I would choose between the pasty, weird-looking white guy with the big hair and the half-naked, ripped, sexy 17-year-old werewolf boy. Taylor Lautner all the way. <laughs> who finds yeah. who finds every possible excuse to take off his shirt during the if movie. If I were thinking of Burger King right now, I would scratch off that Taylor boy damn fast. I wouldn't even look at the pasty guy. <laughs> I'm just imagining Glenn running off with the six-foot cardboard that they have in Burger King. <laughs> Stop with that! That belongs to us! Yeah. So. Any, like, nope. <laughs> anywho, before we start recording in, I might just want to remind you that rpgamer.com does reserve the right to uh, put all these comments you guys are making while I was gone to the bathroom at the end of the podcast. That ought to be interesting. Okay. Oh dear God! Because <laughs> it was oh, recording like, the whole time. Okay. Like how Glenn is my sexy, sexy sex boyfriend. Nice. I said I want to have sex with Sam. Alrighty. <laughs> let's uh, let's pick this back up. <laughs>